coming up on The Medicine Podcast. You're not going to just take a pill or eat some mushrooms and suddenly, bam, you know, everything is all better. But yeah, it could. Yeah, sometimes it, <laughs> yeah, it is, does. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like some of the biggest breakthroughs. Yeah. And I mean, they're using these substances to treat PTSD. Like, of course. So these breakthroughs are possible. Well, anybody that's ever done any psychedelic is happy to tell the world that they should be putting LSD in the drinking water, right? <laughs> I, I mean, for sure. Yeah. But it, again, it, it becomes its personal choice, right? And when we talk about shadow work and we talk about this integration, like you still have to be conscious and it, it's a personal choice. So how do you know if it's right for you? I don't know. Sleep on it. Welcome back to The Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi, and I have my glorious partner in life and love and exploration of the universe with me here. Woo! <laughs> so stoked for this conversation today. What's going on, everybody? Welcoming back our most famous guest. Mm-hmm. Famous. The, the, the crown holder of the most appearances on The Medicine Podcast, Adriana Beta. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, this is number six. That's a good number. You're for basically me. our third host. You're basically our third co-host <laughs> yeah, at this point. For sure. um, we, for anyone who is listening, watching, and you maybe you haven't heard uh, some of our other podcast episodes. Like I said, this is Adrian's sixth appearance, mm. um, gifting really of your knowledge, your experience, mm. um, your your wisdom to us definitely. And all of our listeners, every single time we have you on, we just get overwhelming, amazing feedback. Yes. Overwhelming in the best way. And um, it's such a gift to us, one, to just call you friend. Mm -hmm. And also you're such an amazing teacher and guide. And I would say also example of everything you talk about, everything that you teach other people, you are an embodiment of that truth that mm. wisdom and i think that that's rare <laughs> in mm. today's world there's a lot of teachers mm. a lot of guides out there that i can't nece- i can't necessarily say that for so we are just so grateful for you and i feel like every time we have you on it's the beginning and end is always just a giant love sesh <laughs> totally <laughs> it is it is yeah. yeah but welcome i feel it as well yeah it uh, we're excited ahead of time but then like when we're sitting here it's this extra excitement of yeah. coming home yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you're here for a very specific topic today. Yes. One that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one would think that we would have talked about before, considering the name of our show being The Medicine <laughs> and having a huge mushroom on uh, the logo. <laughs> and it's something we've kind of danced around for now, you know, almost three years of, of podcasting. And that is the topic of psychedelics. And I was thinking about it. And I think most people can relate to when you're like, and it's probably different ages for different people but you're probably in elementary school and you know that sex is a thing. (laughs) You've heard of sex. Mm -hmm. People are talking about it. It's entered the zeitgeist. (laughs) Yet you may not actually know what it is, but you're kind of pretending like you should know. (laughs) And so you're like, yeah, 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 sex. People are naked and they kiss and... (laughs) And something happens, yeah. you know, it's a really big deal. So people are making, people seem to be really uh, obsessed with this yeah. thing. But, but rarely is there the kid who's like, wait though, what is it? Yeah. yeah. And psychedelics has entered the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. It's showing up on mm-hmm. NBC, you know, CNN saying magic mushrooms are legalized in, mm-hmm. you know, County XYZ. Mm-hmm. And I think people are 
pretending like they know what's going on mm-hmm. uh, in kind of the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's those who are so far beyond the basic definitions of psychedelics that mm-hmm. they're in the nuance of the space and they're describing spiritual encounters and other dimensions. And there's sort of this miss, I think, generally in, in f- for most people as to like, hey, what is this? And can we actually talk about it on a fundamental level yeah. mm-hmm. with respect that doesn't get so in the esoteric and so far out there that it's unrelatable and, and, and non-practical for people mm-hmm. who are new to this? Um, and so I think that's what, what the intention, of course, having any, any sort of like control over where a psychedelic is going to go is, is a potential mistake. mistake. Um, so I'm, I'm also going to leave it open to wherever spirit takes us today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that being said, that is my real intention for this conversation is, yo, this thing is out there. It's being talked about these things. Mm -hmm. How do we pay proper respect to this the sacredness of psychedelics in the same way that you would with sex talking (laughs) to a child about like, Hey, sex is really awesome. Before you get sort of too far down the, the, you know, rabbit discovery hole, rabbit hole. discovery rabbit hole. Let's lay the, the framework for what a healthy relationship with psychedelics looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I love that we started with sex. <laughs> Still got me on sex. I'm like sex and psychedelics. Oh, no. Yeah. The way that I, um, wanted to get this started. Usually we have a, a question that we ask every guest. Of course, you've been on so many times. We've asked you so many different, so many different times. Um, you know, what do you love in your life so much that you want to gift to the entire world? Uh, you've answered that multiple times. So mm-hmm. I thought we would start in a little bit different way. And mm-hmm. I think true to your nature, your form, your, mm-hmm. your, uh, my language, your language, yeah. I thought we could do a couple tarot draws sure. uh, just to get things started. So I'll let you uh, lead it, I suppose, here. You're going to let me lead it. Okay. And then we're going to. What's our, we'll our intention in. for the um, the tarot cards in our discussion today? Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, I think maybe, um, you know, usually we start with like a question mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we want to kind of pose before we draw a card. Okay. What would be what would make sense to you? Well, let's do this. I mean, since we're talking about psychedelics and its plant medicine, and each of these um, really magical plants has a, a message, why don't we just ask that? We'll use the tarot cards to understand uh, what what the spirit you said zeitgeist, what the mm. spirit of plant medicine has to teach us today. Mm-hmm. And you also said, you know, about having this respect or reverence. And so to even frame today's discussion with the tarot cards is one of the ways to enter into the sacredness of this discussion. Yeah. I, I love that, you know, but, right. It's a ritual. Yeah. And, and before we um, journey into <laughs> that realm, let's do the ritual. Let's do it. All right. right. So we've got the Crowley deck here. He is um, a master magician of the Shadowland. We'll see what, these are the majors. We'll see what is the message today, archetypally or our soul message. Um, all right, let's go here. Of course. What is that? I should have just called Can this. Can you show the camera? Yes, it's, it's the fool. Oh, yes. Right. And so, of course, of course, let's take a, um, one of the rider weights as well. And we'll talk about the fool. Oh, the fool is so perfect. <laughs> okay. So, let's see that. And I love when you draw and the first words out of your mouth are, of course. Of course. <laughs> it, it totally is, of course. Okay. We have the three of cups. So, there's us. Mm, yeah. You yeah, see us all dancing wow. around with our chalices. Wow. Oh, we my are gosh. In celebration I love that. <laughs> of the bounty and abundance. 
Um, but let's start with the fool. And I think actually the fool is a great place to start because the fool is the um, it is the inherent soul in all of us. You know, before we materialize into the physical form and we develop our own thoughts and our own opinions, we are part of the fabric of the universe. We are part of the fabric of our community, our societies, our families. But prior to all that, this is just the beginning. This is the undifferentiated part of our soul. So what I think is so important here is that that's what... Um, that's what entering into the realm of entheogens does, is it totally takes us back to that innate place of freedom, right? That's what we're all striving for a lot of times is, to, is freedom. And when we say freedom from what? It's freedom from the tyranny of our own mind, our own ego, our own memories, our, you know, the anxieties. And so the fool reminds us that life is an adventure and that in this adventure, we take these big risks, we jump into the unknown, either willingly or unwillingly. But the fool always reminds us that um, we are foolish to think we have any control mm. over any of this. And yet at the same time, the divinity of the fool is that we are one with this. And I think that's probably the easiest takeaway from working with psychedelics is that it reminds us of our divinity. Mm. So mm. here's the fool. The fool also, I think, is good for us in this, or, or I'll say for myself at least here, that there is no... Um, truth you know like my opinion about psychedelics your experiences and opinions it's not the truth it's just one expression mm. of that and then here we have the three of cups which absolutely is us you know it mm. and it's look at this celebration too yeah. and love and cups are cups are the emotion cups are our connection to everything it is it's the spirit of life um three would be this expression the creativity self-expression and and also just the trinity of this as well and so i i again like to think about you know psychedelics as bringing us back into that that unity that connection with our mind and our body and our spirit so there, that as well. Mm. Mm. So we'll, we will, um, I mean, as if we weren't already, but we'll, <laughs> we'll keep a very, um, let's say, reverent yeah. mindset yeah. about all of this. Yeah, I love that word. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's definitely resonant for me uh, in, in any conversation related to psychedelics. Um, so with that, thank you mm -hmm. for that so much. We'll um, come back was, to it. That mm -hmm. was fun. Um, I want to give a disclaimer to the listeners and viewers that anything that we talk about today, kind of piggybacking on what you were saying, um, you know, this whole episode, this conversation, what it is not mm -hmm. is to convince you or convince anyone to try mm -hmm. or to be interested in or to explore psychedelics. That is not what we are after today. This is for educational purposes only. If you decide that you are curious about them, then the information that we share today could be helpful in your exploration and hopefully provide more positive experiences, maybe difficult, mm -hmm. but positive uh, as opposed to negative or like bad trips that mm -hmm. people talk about, which obviously we're going to get mm -hmm. into. But so I just want to get that out of the way that, you know, this is a delicate topic. Obviously, it's still yeah. quite illegal for, mm -hmm. for in most cases and everything. So if it sounds like we're being careful in our conversation, it's because we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just want to put that out there. And um, now we're free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to start with a little bit of a history 
a little bit of a mainstream world definition, and then we can kind of start just pulling these things apart. So I, I jotted down from a very bro approach to trying to consolidate the last, you know, 100 years or so worth of, of use in, in uh, psychedelics and then kind of like how people are defining them today. So bear with me for a few minutes as I read my, my notes. Psychedelic plants and fungi have been used in indigenous medicinal and spiritual traditions really since the beginning of time, all the way up until maybe more recently, you would say, Albert Hoffman synthesized LSD in 1938. After a period of scientific and cultural exploration in the 50s and 60s, psychedelic recreational use blew up and became an integral part of the hippie and countercultural movement. This led to governmental interventions to severely hamper global psychedelic research. Despite evidence of limited medical risks and advocacy or, or, uh, and therapeutic potential of side effects, after decades of persistent education and advocacy, rigorous research employing psychedelics as tools of discovery and healing are now abundant today. Studies are taking place in research institutions and in individual uh, investigations. Uh, this research includes clinical trials with MDMA-assisted therapy for the treatment of PTSD, alcoholism, and social anxiety, psilocybin clinical studies uh, specifically for depression and addiction, as well as the ability of psychedelics to catalyze spiritual or mystical experiences and inspire creativity. Into all the neuroscientific understanding of these effects and psychedelic substances on just our nervous system at large. So what are they in the way that they're defined in the world today? Psychedelics, also known as hallucinogens, are a class of psychoactive substances that produce changes in perception, mood, and cognitive processes. Psychedelics affect all the senses, altering a person's thinking, sense of time, and emotions. They can also cause a person to hallucinate, seeing or hearing things that do not exist or are distorted. There are many different kinds of psychedelics. Some occur naturally vines, in trees, fungi, leaves, other are made in laboratories. They come in many forms, including tablets, blotter paper, dried mushrooms, powders, crystalline powders, and they include, just to name a few, LSD, psilocybin mushrooms, dimethyltryptamine, mescaline, which is cactus, and MDMA-related drugs. There's my <laughs> history, briefly, in a very bro-y approach, as well as like the literal definition from like, drugs.com or something like that. Mm -hmm. How Adrian <clears throat> does this differ or align with your understanding with your definition of psychedelics? Whew. I feel like I just sat through like a class <laughs> real quick. That, that was the most uh, no, uh, class like I want this entire yeah. conversation. No, it to was be. good. It was good that we, you know, that we use that framework because I think like what you both like to do is you like to debunk things, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to kind of set that up from the beginning. Like this is the framework that we're working with. Um, I don't know that I, I mean, I may add extras as we come, we go along. I mean, I think what you said, which is really important is that, um, you know, psychedelics, so to speak, have been here since the beginning of time. You know, there were a lot of, um, you know, Dennis McKenna, Terrence McKenna, that actually, you know, believed in, in this, you, I'm sure you've heard of the stoned ape hypothesis, mm -hmm. right? And that, that our advance and, and jump in consciousness came as a result of eating these mushrooms over the course of, you know, our travels. And um, I love that, you know, I don't, I, can we prove that? But yeah. I, I love that. It makes sense to me just simply, you know, what the these amazing 
plants can do because it's it's interacting with our own mind. Um, I think the I the word that I like to use. I mean, psychedelics is that's what we're using right now, yep. common vernacular. Yep. Um, but I I really like the entheogens. Mm. Like that is something that. Um, is really powerful because at least the way that I'm using these substances, uh, you know, is to connect and to expand that the divinity within us, right? Mm-hmm. And so, entheogens sort of takes that almost religious <laughs> aspect mm-hmm. to yeah. um, our relationship with these. And you know, the plants have been around since the beginning of time, so we see this in all of our old. Um, myths like you talked about the indigenous but you can go back you know to the greeks that were using this and soma and you know not just native americans um in india like all they've been around Mm -hmm. all the time so what happened we just went to um egypt and you know there's millions of glyphs everywhere uh, Mm -hmm. you know accumulating over the the different um sites these Mm -hmm. ancient sacred sites that we visited and in every single you know you can't get farther than two feet by two feet before you see a blue lotus representation and it's not just a pretty flower it is a pretty flower but it's also a you know a psychoactive Mm -hmm. and it's it's always in regard they're always holding it up like it's this piece of them this part of their culture and maybe one could argue how they got to be who they were in mm-hmm. in history yeah. so just wanted to interject there for and, and, and even yeah. christian history going back oh, yeah. into ancient christian history um ergot which is this mm-hmm. lsd like uh fungus that that was in the wine had a psychoactive property had a psychoactive effect mm-hmm. um i believe even in um was it the eucharist or, or yes there were the there was like mm-hmm. sativa that would that mm-hmm. would come out of the incense that was burned and and so even even in you know seemingly spaces that would not include these psychoactives uh, there there is a deep history with religion That's- with spirituality and these plant medicines right and so I mean if we started there we would have to we would have to um, imagine that in some way that they were being used, you know, to promote a different state of being. And I think, you know, what what is always so fascinating to me is that we can only view through our own lens, right? And so our level of consciousness and what we know now, we're limited to being able to project backwards and say, you know, these, we have this whole idea that they were so indigenous, they didn't have the same kind of thoughts and they weren't very smart. And then yet, like you guys, you, you saw the pyramids so we don't know we don't know what kind of experiences this was engendering but back to this card here you know there's there's something in like imagine that like the celebration of and you're right the eucharist like what they were when they went back into these chalices and were actually like um scraping out the residue that's what they found that they, mm-hmm. they were these psychoactive agents so we use this communion we take this into ourselves so that we can become like god like whatever that God is, how how is this? Um, how has this been taken from us, right? Yeah. And what has it been replaced with? Mm. Again, we look at these cups again, and now this is like a Friday night at the bar, yeah. right? Yeah. And we're all right. like, "Cheers!" and yeah. and and yet, are we um, are we achieving the same results? Right, mm. right. No. I, I definitely want to get back to that, um, but would love to hear from you, maybe your history with the use of psychedelics. Yeah. And I would say just piggybacking on that for someone Mm -hmm. who's listening, watching, who hasn't heard anything from you, um, maybe 
giving you the space to to toot your own horn a little bit with yes your your history and experience but also what qualifies you to yeah. speak about all of these things and mm-hmm. tarot and these archetypes and myth mm-hmm. um just uh, a, a little um you know background on on Adrian you could probably do better than me honestly <laughs> but um <laughs> um yeah i always feel that that this feeling come up when it's like what qualifies you to be able to you know i'm like what um <laughs> that might have been a poor choice no no words, it's but. good it's it is a good one and and i think i mean what qualifies me to talk about today um nothing nothing qualifies me you know other than personal experience and study like there's always a study that is involved in things um but a little background i guess um I I mean, I think that my imagination, I grew up with my imagination, as most children do, but my imagination was my safe spot. It was where I could feel magical. It's where I could feel connected in, in an environment that I didn't feel that way. And so, you know, I became really aware and attuned to both nature and other people's natures. You know, we would say their personality, but really it was their nature. And I learned to read that. And, you know, it came out of maybe in some way survival, but it also was a gift. It was a talent that I had and that I think I um, probably really fostered. And from that, I became very interested in astrology. I mean, I was interested in astrology when I was like six years old. So cool. um, yeah. And I mean, just the curiosity that was there, right? This is the leftover wisdom that I'm just tapping back into. Um, that coupled with myth and story, um, I had my own experience of Christianity for some time. And so I became really interested in, in the Bible stories, stories, anything that was a story. Um, when I got older, I got really interested in tarot cards and numerology. And all of these are just languages. They're all systems. I learned to speak this language. Um, Then I went to school and I wanted to study because I am a skeptic by nature. And so I wanted to understand this better. Um, I got a degree in religious studies because after I left Christianity for my own personal reasons, I still wanted to understand and and explore um, this common thread, what we call spirituality, which is, you know, our divinity. So I studied that. Um, and it's interesting, actually. Um, so my experience with substances is it's it, this is a very interesting paradox. Thank you, the fool, which is living <laughs> in the paradox. Um, I'm going to say this briefly, and I'm going to say this briefly and without a lot of emotion. Uh, so I came from a family. I came from parents who were addicted to drugs, who were uh, who were by society's standards um, drug addicts. Um, and in that way, drugs were bad. And I think that that's kind of where we have to start now. The paradigm that we're talking about is that we have been uh, fed this belief that all drugs are bad. And and rightfully so. I mean, I grew up in an environment where because of these substances, I my needs were neglected. I was put into, you know, threatening situations. So yes, drugs can be bad, we would say. I, I disagree, but we'll go back there. Um, and, and because of that, my interest in them first, I'm a little bit rebellious, was personal. Like, what, it, what are these substances? So like many normal <laughs> children and adolescents, I, ex- I experimented. And I want to stop there and say that a lot of people have had, you know, when, when we start to talk about psychedelics, you'll often hear, oh, yeah, you know, I did all these mushrooms, you know, back when I was a teenager, or I did some acid at, you know, a show. And 
we have to remember that the brain isn't even fully formed, yeah. you know, in yeah. adolescence. So these experiences that one is having is is very localized to, to their level of consciousness, right? Mm. So I had all these experiences with substances. One would call them recreational. They were really important and they formed much of what I would walk into many years later. But again, as a result of growing up with drug-addicted parents, I decided to... Um, stop using drugs and start helping people that were addicted to drugs. Mm. So I had a long history in in treatment and, you know, recovery. And and I never fully drank the Kool-Aid that drugs were bad, but I could see that people were using these substances to try to tend mm -hmm. to the malaise of the soul, right? Mm -hmm. the, what, what we're all going through on a collective. I'm going to take a tangent now and say at the very beginning of this, you know, you spoke about wanting to talk about this with reverence. But we have to remember that we are not a reverent society, mm -hmm. that we have lost that. And so our ability to even enter into this conversation with um, these plant medicines and enter into these conversations together, we have to acknowledge that bias, right? Yeah. We are not reverent. We don't know how to treat things mm -hmm. as holy. And then we have this bad taste of, of Christianity, Judeo, you know, religion is mm -hmm. now becoming something that is so negative and bad like drugs were right yeah mm. so we disconnect from that and anything that we are resistant to will show up in the shadow so coming back to working in treatment for a really long time and understanding this and during that time um I didn't use any substances for many years. Um, instead, I developed my connection to nature and I got high on other things, put it that way, yeah. right? High on life and you know, all of these other ways. But I started to really lose um, hope in the system in which we're using to treat mm. addicts because it's limited and, and it perpetuates this shame model. Once you are an addict, you are always an addict. Once you are an alcoholic, you are always an alcoholic. It puts a lot of emphasis on the substance rather than the person, mm. right? And like our, the pain mm. that they could be trying to escape yeah. or um, squash or um, Paul talks mm -hmm. about addiction being an attempt at safe love. Yeah, and, and a a, an attempt to reconnect with our divinity, mm -hmm. right? Like we are so disconnected from that. You just look at the disconnection that we have with nature. And if we're disconnected with nature, we're disconnected with our soul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so actually over, um, over 2020, uh, I read this really good book that I had read once, but I read it again called Chasing the Scream. And I'll give you the author so you can put this in the notes. I highly recommend this book for anybody that has any experience with addiction in, mm. you know, in the modern sense, because he does such a fantastic job of debunking this notion, uh, the rigidness around addiction and how we can be treating these substances not as something right if you make it bad and mm -hmm. wrong then people use it anyway yeah <laughs> and so that really shifted and it and it actually motivated me to leave treatment in the way that I was working with it. It just didn't feel like it aligned anymore for me. And then during that time as well, what were we being told during the pandemic? You can't you can't be around people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you you have to be alone. It was very much about disconnection. That doesn't work for my soul. 
(laughs) It doesn't work for, you know, a lot of people. And so instead, what I started to do was I re-entered my relationship with these, with these substances, with these psychedelics. And, um, you know, with my tribe of friends, uh, we started working with this really purposely. And I think that we were doing it for our own sanity, honestly, Mm -hmm. but then it became something that took its, it it had its own energy. Mm. And so now like what's going on in the world and everybody's in this place of fear, we could reach these levels of bliss and enchantment and love, right? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't solely for us then, it was also about putting it out there, yeah. you know, changing yeah. this, the rhythm of, of the world. And, and as I was watching and, you know, this, obviously it is in the zeitgeist, right? It's been coming up, but we know it's been here for so long. So, you know, once it's on Instagram, I mean, it must mean everybody's doing <laughs> yeah. it, right? Yeah. right? And so here now people are, are all starting to collectively move back into relationship with these, with these substances. Um, now, again, having spent a lot of time in treatment and under understanding what you said to me at the very beginning there are many teachers but do the teachers embody the teachings right Mm -hmm. so using psychedelics is not a fast track to Mm. enlightenment hey friend are you like me looking for ways to age gracefully and beautifully but also naturally if so then we must be aware of the nutrients that we are gifting our body and cells to resist premature aging One of my favorite ways to do that is with Tremella Mushroom. Tremella has been used for centuries for its unmatched cellular hydration, aka healthy glowing skin, by holding 500 times its weight in water. I get my daily Tremella with Mushy Love Latte. This is Chase and I's delicious mushroom elixir that we formulated from scratch to support healthy, hydrated skin cells, shiny, strong hair, gut health, and robust immunity. My favorite way to enjoy Mushy Love is blended with cold milk. It seriously tastes like liquid graham crackers. You can also enjoy it steamed or blended into your vanilla protein shake or as a cinnamon swirly coffee creamer. To grab yours, go to getmushylove.com and use the code MEDICINE, M-E-D-I-C-I-N, for a nice discount. Cheers to aging gracefully and naturally. I think that's, yeah, we always ask you, what are the myths and misconceptions about, which I think is one of our questions, but, you know, jumping ahead, I think that that's definitely a misconception. Underline, circle, highlight that. That, that. I think that there's a misconception that in some way the journey or the trip that you go on is the work, but really it's just like opening the curtains and you're witnessing the sun, but you still have to, after that, like opening of the curtain, you still have to go into the rest of your life. It's just that now you might have a different understanding or, or, um, insight into your own psyche or events of your life or, or what have you. But I think that that's definitely a misconception and and you, um, speak on that if you want to, like the, the thinking around the journey being the work, Mm -hmm. which it it can feel like that Mm -hmm. when it's challenging, Mm -hmm. but that's not the work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, 
again, we have to come back and, and look at the the paradigm. And, you know, the paradigm that we're in here is, I mean, we don't do the work. We are, you know, what does Western medicine do? It treats the symptoms, right? Yeah. It gives you a pill. It gives you a fast track. Like, take this, then you, you're you going to feel better. But feeling better is not really the point. We want to feel whole. Yeah. We want to feel, like, holy. We want to heal. Yeah, we want to heal. What? And, yeah. But we don't know what that means yeah, in, right. in our society. So, so and, and this is the other piece, too, that I think is really important important when we start to have these conversations is that nothing um, is or isn't. It's a little bit of both, right? Mm. And so again, some of the misconceptions. So we just said, like, you're not going to just take a pill or eat some mushrooms and suddenly, bam, you know, everything is all better. But yeah, it could. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it, <laughs> yeah, is, it does. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like some of the biggest breakthroughs. Yeah. And I mean, they're using these substances to treat PTSD, like, of course. So these breakthroughs are possible. But it all comes back to, I think, in many ways, or at least as much as we can, the intention, right? Like, what is our intention yeah. when we walk into relationship with, you know, with these plants? And for many people now, especially like we're, we're all like craving connection and we're starving for nourishment. Mm-hmm. We're, we are getting, as a culture, we're getting really sick of all of, you know, this processed food, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And we want something deeper. And so I think people are motivated to move in this direction, but we're such an adolescent society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to do yeah. it. A lot of a lot of children walking around in adult bodies. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe we can go into a little bit, you know, we've used the term journey. Yeah. Kind of the experience. Let's put to the side or or maybe not address microdosing, which is something that's gotten quite common, which mm-hmm. is just taking a little bit of some of these psychedelics for for certain purposes, but you don't have your reality shifted drastically or significantly. Mm-hmm. Um and rather a, a, a larger dose in the, let's just say in the, in the setting of like a ceremony. Mm. Um, what does that typically look like? So you take the, the medicine and kind of like lay out that experience. Let's, let's say usually it's, it's an experience around somewhere between like three to seven hours mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and sort of what takes place for you. What's, what's going on in that span of time um, for you physically, energetically and, and spiritually? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you know, what's going on for me is one thing. What's going on for, uh, like, we, you can't predict, first of all. Right. And so, you know, we don't know really what's going to happen. I mean, we can say, you know, scientifically, you know, this is what's happening with the, the release of serotonin and all of these other things that are that are occurring in the organism. But what is, I, I think, like, what is first really happening is our perception of reality is being expanded. And we have to think about how we perceive or perceive reality like through these senses like we come into contact through smells and tastes but also the perception like thinking is also there Mm -hmm. there what we don't realize though is that our mind is so rigid it really just thinks about the same things over (laughs) and over again and then we're looking to reinforce the thoughts that we already had so novel thinking divergent thinking is not something that we are accustomed to and it makes sense right like our whole organism is just trying to conserve energy so that we Mm -hmm. can survive but we're far past surviving right now we want to we want to feel we want to participate as you said and so i i think what's happening is we are entering another we'll say dimension right that's what an altered state of being is our bodies are starting to feel a flush like think about this giant sense organ that we have you know for myself i always begin to feel from the 
inside. You know, it's not mm-hmm. so much what is happening on the outside, but what's happening on the inside. And everything is lighting up. We're having sensations in all these different places. You know, our our perception of reality is changing. The colors are changing. I don't have a lot of experience with the hallucinating piece of this, but rather everything just becomes, what is it if the doors of perception were cleansed and everything would appear as it is, which mm. is is divine, yeah. mm. right? So we see the magic yeah. around us. And I think that's a common theme that many people say, like everything just looks so much more. Mm-hmm. That I think is the first thing that really occurs Mm-hmm. Yeah, for people's experience. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so spot on. Beautifully articulate. We're trying to articulate something yeah, that, that exactly. we can't put language to. Yeah. By the way, yeah. <laughs> um, I think of almost like the the hero's journey. Yeah. You start off on this path, this call to adventure in the the journey, and it it is exciting at first, and it's it's bright and shiny and you feel motivated Mm -hmm. and it's novel. Um, And I don't know about for you guys, but for me, there is a a moment, moments, a section of this journey where I begin to feel some resistance Mm -hmm. and I feel the challenge and it can feel like weight on my chest. Even though the room might feel sparkly and beautiful, I might have fireworks in my, in my eyes when I close my eyelids, but I feel a little heaviness on my Mm. chest and I feel a little short of breath. And it's like that moment in the hero's journey where it's like, Oh, here comes the challenge. Mm -hmm. Here Mm -hmm. comes the actual work that you're going to have to push through. Mm -hmm. Here comes the breaking apart, the Mm -hmm. tearing down the death, if you will. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm I'm wondering what is going on. Mm -hmm. Like now that could be physiological. I could have a shortness of breath because there's some, you know, adrenaline spike or something. And and my, maybe has something to do with my, my blood thinning, but (laughs) I've been wondering and I've just been thinking like, is this my ego's little just, Hey man, I'm trying to hold on here (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. and things are about to break apart. Mm -hmm. The the last sort of like line of defense of my ego is to give me a little bit of nauseousness in my stomach (laughs) or to, to give me a little bit of shortness of breath. Like, Hey, you might want to start panicking here because (laughs) I'm about to go away. Yeah. And so I'm curious what you think or what both (laughs) you guys think about that sort of, which typically happens for me, a phase of Ooh, I'm not, I'm not feeling so hot guys. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually were talking about this before we pushed record, just Chase and I, before you got here. And this is interesting. And, and maybe you can reflect on this or give your insight based on, obviously, you know, us individually, because I, when he was explaining this to me, I, I was like, you know, I, I don't really feel that. Um, I don't, maybe a little bit like a tiny bit of queasiness if my body's trying to digest something. But I don't feel like uh, that those control tendrils <laughs> losing their grip as much as he does. And so we were just reflecting on, you know, that's interesting because I think in our sober life day to day, Chase might have that experience more where he's, you know, looking for more control of mm-hmm. the situation. And maybe that's not my, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, maybe that's not as much my experience in sober reality. Um, but I would be curious to yeah. hear your thoughts yeah. knowing us individually. Yeah. And I mean, I think you bring up a really good point. I also just want to say to you, Chase, you're so cute that you think your ego is controlling your anatomic nervous system, <laughs> that your ego has right, the power right, to be right. like, <laughs> but no, I think what you speak about is, and, and for me, that's part of the reverence too before I enter into any journey you know there and that's the fool right it's standing at the precipice looking over and being like 
oh shit, shit. you yeah. know and it, and it, there is this feeling of like here we go like mm-hmm. here we go but i think to your point there's i find that people and again the the ego is is rigid and it seeks control right and and we live in a society right now that goes so fast that we cling to any measure of control that we have so for people that have new experiences with psychedelics that's often their fear is they mm-hmm. they fear not not only that we haven't even mentioned like how you know psychedelics were the propaganda around yeah. them and, and yeah. how terrible they are and you're gonna jump out of building and all of these things which are not true right. you know it's not the same as crack <laughs> right. not, not that there's anything wrong with crack to be fair <laughs> um but i think yes people that that cling to a lot of control and need to know they might have a little bit more of a tougher time letting go and just leaning into the journey, you know, and for others that don't. And, you know, I think you, you know, like between you and Chase, like there's, you strike me as somebody like when you make up your mind, it's just, that's it. I made up my mind and I just go for it where you make up your mind and you're still like, but there, but, and, and, but, and, and, (laughs) and, right. And so it's there. Mm -hmm. I don't, I think they're both, important right we need to have a little bit of that you know fear of god in us Mm -hmm. before we venture into that but you also said something i want to bring into it too about a bad trip i like to say challenging trip Mm -hmm. right there's there aren't bad trips and we don't want to stigmatize this any more Mm -hmm. than it already has been right and so i truly believe that the medicine gives us what you need and 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 you might be able to attest to this too all journeys are different Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you you can't you know you can't make it the same way you don't know what you're getting into i totally agree with that notion that um i was kind of using the term bad trip because that's what's people say to you know there's a a show called like bad trips or something like that it's what it's the term that people use um but i i totally agree that um whatever is coming up needs to come up Mm -hmm. it's on us to ensure that we're setting ourselves up for like putting the, putting the um, stacking the deck in your favor. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. can't control what's going to come up Mm -hmm. in your journey Mm -hmm. or in your trip, but you can control your, to an extent, your external, you know, reality, your set and setting, Mm -hmm. you know, whether you're at home safe with your beloved versus you're at a rager, party mm-hmm. or a concert mm-hmm. that's overwhelming like we can control that yes and so i think it's it comes back to um a little bit of responsibility and intention when you enter into this very sacred space um mm-hmm. but and maybe you can speak to that a little bit you know we've used the word intention yeah. a, a few times already um maybe just clue us in and the listeners on yeah. what do you mean by intention mm-hmm. and why is having an intention so important? Yeah, and yeah, thank you. Let's back up a couple steps. So when we talk about doing these journeys in this way intentionally, because you know there are people that are like, oh, let me just go get some mushrooms and you know eat some tonight as I'm sitting, in, and that's fine. You know, we might call that recreation, like whatever. But for what we're talking about today, we in, we are intentionally communing with these plants, and what you're talking about is preparation. So, you know, when I'm working with people that are you know going to have a journey, the, the preparation is always the beginning. Why? 
Why do you want to do this? Just simply asking yourself mm-hmm. that question. You know, what are your expectations? What are your fears? You begin to frame the experience in a way that can be as conscious as possible, right? And I also always like to ask the question, why now? Mm. Like, why? well, because my friend was talking about it and I, yeah, but why now inside? And so you, you create, right, this container then in that preparation stage. And then next stage is, is the journey. And the journey, like, as you're saying, it's such a small portion of it and then you have the integration and the integration is forever <laughs> like you're, yeah. we're yeah. integrating yeah. forever yeah. but you we have these really big experiences expansive experiences for most of us you know that we've never had before and trying to capture all of that and embody that is I mean, damn near impossible if you don't do <laughs> yeah. the, the work. Yeah. And the other thing you said, and I will we'll continue to talk about this too, is that to the best of our ability to prepare for this, there's something called set and setting. And what that what that speaks to is that the that the mindset that you enter into an experience. So is this a good thing for anybody to do? Well, I mean, I can't unequivocally say yes or no, but internally, if you're not in the right space, the right space, whatever that means for you, then you you might have a challenging trip. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a quick, uh, I'll give you a quick vignette. I had a, a client and she was suffering from depression and negativity and she had heard, you know, she, like everybody else, was reading, read Michael Pollan's book and was like, I really want to try, you know, one of these substances. And so we met and did some preparation around it and um, she went and she had the experience and it didn't work. Mm. Right? So, I mean, even that, what was the expe- what was the expectation ahead of time? Yeah. The yeah. expectation was, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to feel negative anymore. I'm not going to have the same kind of anxiety. And what did it mean that it didn't work? You know, and this was um, a person that didn't have experience with, um, you know, mind-altering substances other than maybe like alcohol. And so... She didn't feel the, you know, effects that everybody else told her would happen. And instead, what she felt at the end is she felt more disappointed. She felt more disappointed in herself. She felt as she she felt ashamed that she wasn't even able to do this right. Mm. Right. So the medicine gave her everything that she needed front and center. But that's what we do is we discard what's given to us. Just like we're like, give me a sign, you know, not that <laughs> yeah, sign, not that, one. Not that right. sign, not that sign. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, um, I was able to convince her because that was the word to like, let's just work with what the medicine yeah. gave you. So working with the disappointment, working with this, like the it, it provided her what she needed in that moment. But again, like setting up these expectations, people have grand expectations or they don't have any expectations and have this like, huge experience yeah yeah i mean i I can i can say yes to all of those i've had my initial experience was um i have i was scientific materialist i mean like sam harris level uh (laughs) had completely gone down the rabbit hole of of stiff arming religion kind of this stoic idea and scientific we're just a chemical experiment but i know these things are happening read michael pollan's book as well and I was like, I got, I want, I'm all about experiencing life and I got to try these things. Uh, complete, you know, completely blew that out of the water, had an experience with the define an experience with the metaphysical where I came out of it. Like there is something else. Holy shit. There's something else. And that thing is a lot of love. It feels incredible. It feels amazing. And I want to get to know it, but I've also had experiences where 
wow, that was really fun. That was giggling and laughing and light. I didn't have that feeling of partial anxiety. And so I've expected that going into the subsequent journey only to get my ass kicked (laughs) by overwhelming uh, trauma that I'm processing by hours of weeping like a child with Megan holding me. And so there is no controlling it. There's no uh, pre-existing expectation that you can have for these types of experiences. And so maybe the difference between expectation and intention mm-hmm. would, would be mm-hmm. uh, maybe something you can, can yeah. articulate. But that's great, right? And that that's always that is always how we pose the journey is the nuance between expectation and intention because I don't know you can tease it out sure, but we can't this is the bias again. What to identify what my bias is or my expectation, at least it calls it into focus. And the intention as well, like the best of intentions as they say, we I could say that, you know, my intention for working with a substance is to really really help me process trauma. And that's what's really sexy nowadays is everybody wants to use this. Trauma is really sexy nowadays. And, you know, they go in with this like great intention. And I mean, I have a lot of clients. It's like, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to do this deep healing. And they end up fucking laughing. I know, right? Yeah. For like three hours, you know? And then it's like, well, how did, and coming out, like my intention was to work with the trauma. Well, what did the medicine show you? It showed me joy. The joy still exists in my body. Mm -hmm. And that generating this joy is just as important as right so expectation and intention are um it's just an infrastructure you know and and i don't know about you but when you're journeying how often do you come back to your intention oftentimes i come back to my intention and be like what was my intention again (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. right so yes i think that the important point again is the relationship with reverence and that at least we can go into it going like i i don't know what to expect i'm open i'm curious i'm open to receiving Mm -hmm. The other thing is the setting, right? So the set is the mindset. What's going on in your mind right now? Because again, like there will be some people is like, you're going through a really big crisis right now. It's not the best time for you to do this. Says who? Right? But maybe for some it's not, where for others it might be just what they need. We are not the judge, right? That's the thing about coming back to these these medicines is that they're already a part of us. They know they have a, a greater um, intelligence like our body does than we do. Um, we just have to be in the right frame of being to enter into this in a way that um, I'm going to use the word is productive, right? Yeah. So the setting. Now, again, how many times do you hear people say that their psychedelic experiences are at the dead shows or at these big shows? Personally, that sounds like hell to me. Mm-hmm. That sounds like hell, hell, yeah, hell. At this point I in my life, for sure. When I was in my 20s, it was fun. What And why? What was fun about that? Um, it felt like you know, stepping into virtual reality at a concert and you're in your twenties and you're there for a shallow good time. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that, it's so unpredictable that you don't know if that's the experience you're going to get at a concert. Totally. It could be, you know, 50, 50 where it's like, it could be light. It could be laughy. It could be, you know, joyous and uh, you feel really giggly. Or this could be the time where you're cracked open and now there's music blaring and it feels overwhelming because your entire field is open and you're taking in all the good and bad, negative and positive energy around you. And that can be overwhelming. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. It's almost like you know, the way that I consumed alcohol, I got to like 27, 28 years old and it started to feel so terrible. But prior to that, it was a blast. 
and, and I didn't have hangovers. And, you know, when you're in your twenties, you're just kind of rolling through life relatively shallow without repercussions. And then there's just a phase, at least for me in my experience, there was a phase where everything started to, you started to feel it. Mm, yeah. You started mm-hmm. to feel the, the byproduct of doing something without mm-hmm. intention. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that's kind of the case here is, is that it has a shelf life on when it can be frivolous and, and used for something like a, a concert or, and maybe it's individual for each person, but I definitely yes. got to a cliff where I fell off and was like, this is now a very serious spiritual uh, connection mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. that probably would not go well for me in a large public setting. Right, right. And you, but you, I think you said the key word there, it's individualized, right? Yeah. And there's something about being in that setting where you lose your sense of self mm. and you become one with all of it, right? Yes. And And there is like the, um, I think about like Bacchus, you know, the the god of wine and like just being in that state of, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Where you're, it's trance, but you're in kind of, that state with everyone else yeah mm, yeah um it's like almost like the same concept that applies to mob mentality where it's like i'm not saying it's mob mentality but that concept still exists it's just used sort of negatively but yeah you're like there's like a collective consciousness it's like that- a link to every other body and i mean think about it at like a, at a church when everybody's in devotion mm-hmm. right there's a synergy there's an energy in worship that's happening mm-hmm. and it's like you become one with the whole so i absolutely can i appreciate how people and that music and being in that hum and that rhythm is so powerful mm-hmm. But you got to know yourself, Mm. you know, and, and for me, you know, I always know that at some point I am going to be in child's pose in like a turtle position because that's where it is all happening and doing that at a show or, you know, in an overstimulated place doesn't feel safe. Yeah. And so that brings my next point, like, because people are running out and wanting to do, you know, ayahuasca, you know, and, and they'll do anything anywhere. We really have to be, um, smart about this and safe about this as well because this is the other thing when you are on the medicine you are so open and you are so vulnerable and you are so impressionable Mm -hmm. which you know brings me to my next point now you're going to see that there are these like psychedelic guides all over the place people are guiding you and instagram shamans right yeah exactly leading you through this and you know whatever everybody is entitled to do their own but you know us as the consumer in this case we need to be really conscientious about the fact that when we are in this place, we are so impressionable, mm-hmm. right? And and so again, that setting becomes something that's really important. You know, we want to be comfortable. We want to be safe. We want, you know, I always think about it like, you know, setting up that that date. What is the most ideal date you want to take your, you know, your new lover on and yeah. do that for yourself? Yeah. Maybe talk to the role of a guide or a shaman or a mentor we met you mm-hmm. uh, holding space mm-hmm. for a, smer- a ceremony with a small group of people mm-hmm. uh, of which you were the facilitator. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say that that is my preference. Anytime I'm in a group mm-hmm. is to have a facilitator, is to have someone who is spiritually able to interact yet hold space for the experience that's taking place for multiple people. Yeah. Maybe go into a little bit about what that looks like mm-hmm. in what you would prefer a ceremony to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, 
first of all, I would prefer a ceremony to be a safe, you know, the container is so incredibly important. And, you know, I think that, again, I, we also have to acknowledge that, you know, each of these plants has its own history, there's an indigenous history. And, you know, we as the colonizers, we want to colonize everything. And we're, and we're on the way to doing that with psychedelics now, you know, mm -hmm. we're taking all these substances, and we're turning them into medicine in this way, too. And so, you know, that said, setting up this um, relationship with the other person and having a guide or having a sitter, that's another word that is used, is something that you really need to ask questions about. Because, you know, the, what, what we did that day, I wanted to very much just hold the space, create the space and give the person the opportunity to have their own experience where sometimes guides are also provoking like what's going on mm. for you right now. Mm. You know, some guides, especially the ones that might have a little bit of psychotherapy under their belt as well, are actually, you know, using this as a tool to push people deeper into their subconscious. Mm. And that's the part we have to be really careful mm -hmm. with. You know, you have people, somebody enter and it's like, yeah, I want to be guided and I want to work on my trauma. And then you have a couple of questions that are asked and you, you just don't want to, you don't want to hurt anybody or harm mm. anyone. So for me, I think the most ideal setting is that the person knows what they're getting into and that for the most part, I like to consider myself a facilitator. I create and I hold space and I love to create beautiful space and I love to hold space that helps the person feel nurtured and seen and safe. And then if they want to pursue what comes up, that's where that happens in the integration. I personally don't want to interfere in somebody's process because it feels like it may be too close to my own agenda. Mm -hmm. And I yep. want to trust that, you know, whatever spirit is coming up in them is the guide for them. And then I can sort of help with the integration piece. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And you, you, yeah, you do it beautifully so beautifully that we came out of that experience with you. And it was a, it was a, a group of people. Um, <laughs> we were in the car and we were like, we have to know her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We need to know her. It was like, and we no, were it, right. It was like, I've known her. Yeah. It was more <laughs> like that. It was like, okay, so our physical bodies have met in this lifetime now. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. We got that out of the way. And where are we going from here yeah. uh, with this beautiful person? Um, yeah. That was an amazing experience. Hey, homie, did you hear that Organifi, the creators of the best and most delicious green juice in the world, now has a crisp apple version? You guys, it is so dang good. I love the original green juice, but this may be my new favorite Organifi product. The apple taste isn't too strong. It's just the right amount. So Green Juice Crisp Apple has all the same benefits of the original green juice with a new crisp twist and refreshing taste and only two grams of sugar using organic whole apple sources handpicked from our home state of Washington. Holler! I drink green juice on a daily basis because the clinical dose of ashwagandha really helps support my body's stress response and cortisol levels. And you know what they say, you're either making stress hormones or sex hormones, not both. So green juice really is sexy. To grab your new sexy green juice, crisp apple, go to Organifi.com and remember to use the code MIMIFIT, M-I-M-I-F-I-T at checkout for a hefty 20% off on all your Organifi orders. Cheers and love, boo. 
I would love to hear from you. Like if someone is interviewing yeah, good. or, you know, just thinking about, I want to have an experience like this. How do I even go about, um, you know, understanding um, who would be beneficial for me to link with in this way? Like yeah. what are maybe some questions that someone could ask a facilitator or a guide to know, like, is this an Instagram thing or is this they're sharing their passion and wisdom with the world kind of situation? Yeah, shit. Mm. I think interview is a good word because we're moving into a space where we want to empower people. So I think interviewing is really important, especially with some of the the bigger, like ayahuasca, for example, that is something that is traditionally led by a shaman. And I mean, this is my opinion and I am stating that up front, but if anybody tells you that they're going to lead you through an ayahuasca journey, <laughs> you, you ask as many questions as you can about the lineage that it came from, what they're practicing. You know, these, these medicines have spirits to them and mm -hmm. I would never try to lead anything related to ayahuasca. That's, uh, I don't have the right in the same mm -hmm. way that what are the qualifications? And, you know, again, that's, that's my belief, but I think that others need to educate themselves on that as well. But as far as, you know, other, um, other medicines, like I always ask people when they say, you know, they, if they want to hire me to be a trip sitter, you know, to, they've never, they've never sat with one of these substances and they want to do that. You know, the first thing I say is like, what do you think that that is? Like, what do you expect that mm, you're going to get yeah. from that? Because the other thing is that we have to think about, this is an investment in time as well. These, some of these, you know, you are with, the medicine for hours and hours. So I would recommend that people ask, where will we be? You know, where's the setting in this? What what kind of um, support are you going to offer me afterwards? That's really mm. the important piece, you know, and then also asking the person, you know, what kind of experience they have. And I would always ask, what's the worst trip you ever like witnessed? Mm. And like using that word, mm. right? Just, just to kind of understand how does that person hold space? Yeah. What are they going to do if something comes up? I mean, working in, you know, a trauma-informed field for as many years as I have, I have have that under my belt. You know, I've been working in in a trauma-informed way, so I recognize that that what could come up, I am I'm able to support it. Are others? I don't know. So I would ask that too. Like, what kind of training do you have? Really basic stuff like do you know CPR? Yeah. I mean, you know, not not that it's going to happen, but I would like to know that somebody's got my sure. back if I choke. So some of those basic questions, but then, you know, also I think just engaging in a an open discussion about yeah. your feelings about it yeah. right it doesn't necessarily have to be check check did you do this but rather like again if I ask the question why do you want to do this now that could lead to such an open conversation of what's coming up for them mm -hmm. yeah so, so yeah really great I think that that's great and I think piggybacking on that if anyone goes through this process of asking a series of questions and the guide or facilitator shows any hint of being uh, resistant to answering your questions or makes you feel bad or shameful or any sort of negative association with your questions, with yeah. your line of questions. Yeah. Um, I think that that's also good feedback. Maybe this isn't the right person for you yeah. because they. Sh this is such an intimate, you're going into the soul, into the psyche. Mm -hmm. And it's imperative that the person is gentle with that mm -hmm. 
allowance mm-hmm. of shared space. Mm-hmm. That's really good, Mimi. That's really good because, you know, it, especially now with, you know, what, as this is starting to come up in the field is you said Instagram shaman, but I mean, our own ego is coming in with this as yeah. well, yep. right? And we all have this like false wannabe guru complex that we're working with this now. And so you have somebody that's been working with some of these medicines. They had a couple trips and now they suddenly want to be a guide as well. But I want to say something to that because my next question is, is for people that are like, I ask them, well, why don't you just ask your friend to sit with you? I just want somebody to sit with me while I do this. I'm afraid to be alone. Why don't you ask your friend to do that? That's done it before. You, you know, like, why is it that you want, you know, somebody designated to do that so that at least the person can be really clear on, you know, what their expectations of Mm -hmm. the experience is as well. But if you don't feel connected to the person, I wouldn't do it. No. I mean, it's basically like, are you, are you comfortable? Safe. Are you, do you feel safe? Do you feel comfortable being naked, psychologically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually naked with this person? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. Um, I think something else to consider, and and I'm curious what your thoughts are, is very common is a group setting. Mm -hmm. Hey, there's a group. We're doing a sitting or whatever. And uh, there can be strangers there. Mm -hmm. And so if this is your first time, even if it's not your first time, Mm -hmm. and you may not want to be seen psychologically naked or see somebody else psychologically naked, because that could be disturbing um, if you're not ready for it having consideration for who is going to be there, you know, for instance, um, just to give an example Mm -hmm. in a pretty intense journey for me. And I was, this was very new to this type of setting for me, very uncomfortable with, with what it was manifesting to be. It was loud music, lots of lights. There were people experiencing the divine and having the experience that was uncomfortable to me dancing and, and very like, uh, this for me was a very heavy journey. I had to grab a blanket and roll up in the corner and, you know, see you later for five hours that ended up being beautiful and profound. But the level of anxiety that I had during that moment, it comes down to like, I just had no clue what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. And so again, again, no bad trip. It ended up being a really beautiful, profound, life-changing experience. But if that's something you're not interested in mm-hmm. and or would like to know beforehand, mm-hmm. getting really familiar with, again, this comes back to set and setting, but yep. the group that you're with as well, mm-hmm. um, it may lead people into being more interested in a private session, mm-hmm. smaller group, having something uh, or somebody they know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that, that is a very much, it's a personal I think interest, but for a lot of people who have never even tried this, they don't know what they're getting into. Right. And so they don't know, well, I don't know Would it be okay. You know? And, and so again, this is where I think, um, the preparation stage is so important. And you know, what I, what I'm doing with them as well is I'm reflecting back what I think some of their fears might be and the the things to pay attention to, you know, internally, not in the journey. Cause we can, you know, set out like, I'm going to think about this and I'm going to work on this (laughs) and you get in there and you're like business breakthrough. I need like a creative idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This, yeah. exactly. And I, instead, I'm like in love with my dog you know, for <laughs> yeah. six hours. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Um, but I think group settings can be really powerful catalysts as well. And for people that are entering in, and you'd be surprised, a lot of people want to enter into this experience because they want to push their comfort zones. And so being in a group might be uncomfortable for them, and that's why they're doing it. Whereas for others may feel like they want to be in community. They want to feel held in the experience as well. So I think it's personal. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. and and again, like really trying to 
let people know what they're getting into or they need to ask that, you know, up front mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about downloads. Ooh. These moments in the journey where you experience a breakthrough. Yeah. Um, many call it this download idea where you get some, some have even claimed to have business ideas out of these experiences. Others like for me, just all of the turmoil that I spent wondering if God was real just was immediately shattered. Mm. And I was like, don't care how I can articulate it or not. It's real. I felt it completely beautiful and incredible. That's what I would call a download. Yeah. What are these downloads? Maybe some of the ones that you've had. Mm -hmm. um, what should people expect? Even yeah, though we just okay. said not to have expectations. Um, let's just jump into the download. Yeah, area. or what maybe Love some it. of the common yeah. places are. You know, it's so funny that you say that. Um, I think that the most basic are the cliches. The cliches come alive in <laughs> yeah. such a fucking profound yeah. way. <laughs> I mean, I remember uh, during one and just being like it was, in, and here was the download. It was like this, home is where the heart is. I mean, you see that like on your grandma's pillow, yeah, right? Yeah. And I was, you know, but I was like, oh my God, home is where the heart is. <laughs> home, home is where the heart is. You know, yeah. and it's like that playing yeah. that over and over, it, I, I begin to animate it in a very mm. different way, like right? Yeah. Yeah. And so like, you know, all you need is love. You know, all their all these little cliches suddenly yeah. became animated, and and it was as if I was seeing it for the first time. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that not having the expectation that God is going to talk directly to you and you're going to get the download that you want, you know, is also encouraging us to come back to the simplicity of what it is, right? The greatest medicine of all. And you know what? Actually, both of you, I, I love that you started that, that this is the medicine and yet how many years have you been doing it and it took you to hear? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you've been talking about the most important medicine all along. This is just the obvious form. It doesn't even need to be called medicine mm -hmm. in that way. So again, reconnecting ourselves with nature, that is the most profound thing I think that is the takeaway with these. It's so basic and yet it it's all that there is. Mm -hmm. I one one of my rules of thumb, you know, unless I'm doing an internal journey, which is, you know, to put on the eye shades and whatever, is I have to be in nature. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to touch the ground. I have to smell the flowers. So there's something about bringing us back to our, our earth-based self. And and that's something I think is common don't you oh yeah. yeah yeah i mean how many people say like we're all connected yep. yeah. yeah yeah i i remember one of the first times that chase and i um were uh working with mushrooms mm -hmm. together and we were indoors and it kind of started out that way where it's music and eye shades and then um it wasn't a heavy dose or anything, but I remember like sitting up, we were standing by the window and I could literally feel the pull from mm -hmm. the trees, mm -hmm. the invitation from the trees that were swaying in the wind outside. And it was like this just like immediate, like I need to be outside. Mm -hmm. And I, it was like an invitation from nature to go into it and myself yeah. more. And, and and I uh, will never forget that, that I, I had never had that feeling in the mm. same way. Of course, it's like, yeah, I, I probably need to go get outside. It's different when it's like um, coming from your soul. <laughs> it's an invitation from nature to, to come in. And that was 
very profound. Right. One of the f- very first times. And and I think that's the that's the starting point. If we could just get people to come back to their body and recognize that our body is nature, yeah, and that this that it is all connected. Can ma- can you imagine the kind of relationship we would have with <sighs> our environment yeah. and with each other? And so, like those downloads, I think you know, I'm I'm a I'm a nature kid. Like I'm a magical kid. Like the, that's always been very present for me. So it wasn't an aha or a download, but what was was the ways in which where I had disconnected from my own body and where I had been had my ego had been caught in, you know, making controlling body, right? Depriving myself of nu- nutrition, not yeah. food wise, but what we need for our soul. And, you know, I, I mean, the mushrooms in particular, I, I find that they each have different spirits and they have different personalities as well. And that was one I think that drew me back, like all, all that matters is all that matters, yeah. you know? And and that's what I love about these downloads too. I mean, you and me both, like we're in our heads, like we can articulate anything, yep. right? But at the end of the day, <laughs> none of it really matters. Yeah. And all of it matters. Here's the fool again, this paradox. Yeah. I, mm. I so feel that. And I've spent a lot of my life disconnected, trying to rationalize meaning and the world and myself and my purpose disconnected from life disconnected from nature but but anything organic anything that is living and something about these experiences has connected me back with everything that is organic everything that is alive and i'm i'm now are trying to articulate those experiences instead of articulating completely around them without ever having been plugged into them yeah and so the experiential knowledge is now there yeah and i'm trying to rationalize it in my meat suit now but it's a little different than being so disconnected, having no experience mm-hmm. whatsoever, and trying to sit here in silence, disconnected from everything, rationalizing meaning, purpose, and who yeah. I am. Yeah, it's it, it's so interesting too, as you say that. Like I, I get to know a little bit more about you each time. Like I can't imagine you disconnected from nature. Like you are so nature to me, right? <laughs> and so, but this, but this is the lie. Like we have believed these lies in our own mind about ourselves, and we continue to perpetuate those lies. Oh, I, you know, it's my trauma. Oh, I'm disconnected. Oh, I'm. And I think that what these, the fool, what these substances do is they break us open to this new level of awareness that most of the time isn't like, I didn't know that, but it's a returning to yeah. like, of course, I, yeah. I knew that all along, yeah. right? It shows us that. It's like, it's like um, that truth is there or that lesson or that piece of insight is kind of floating on the surface, but it doesn't have roots yet mm-hmm. into your soul or into your mind or into your life moving forward and having experiences with plant medicine, it's like those truths then root in you mm-hmm. and you, you can feel it like, oh, this is now true for me. Mm-hmm. It maybe was true for other people out there, but now, man, now I really get it for me. Yeah. Um, I, I experienced that quite a bit, especially with with mushrooms, um, an, an over overwhelming number of uh, journeys has included self-love, mm-hmm. which yeah. is like the most overused term <laughs> right now on Instagram mm-hmm. and any podcast. And there's now self-love coaches and and but it's it's something that I can't I can't lie and say that it doesn't continue to come up for me and and in relation to something like body image, I have this very real memory of us, you know, at Burning Man 
and I, I've always been, I've always been, um, you know, maybe not self-conscious, mm-hmm. definitely self-conscious at times, but judgmental of having very, a muscular build and muscular thighs. And I, you know, when you're in mm-hmm. junior high, high school, you're like, oh, fuck, why can't I just be like as skinny as she is? And like, mm-hmm. I was never overweight, but like the legs became a point of my own judgment mm-hmm. towards self. Mm-hmm. And I have this very real visceral memory of us being at Burning Man, little bit of mushrooms in the system, and we're riding at night on our bikes, and our bikes are all lit up, and we're in our like fun costumes. Mm-hmm. And I look down at my legs, and they're working on the playa, you know, uh, pushing the bike, and I'm just like, "Fuck, you guys are so awesome! Yeah. You yep. take me everywhere." You are so strong. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. You take all mm. my bullshit and you just keep going for me. Mm. And it was like I was making friends with my thighs. Mm. <laughs> and it was such a beautiful did experience. You, did you do it like that dialogue too? Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was it was that was the exact conversation. I just looked down. I probably was close to crashing because I was so fixated on in a, in a new way, in a profound and yeah. loving way, yeah. fixated on that part of my body that I had previously for the past since third grade mm-hmm. been ju- very judgmental mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Even though yeah. he loves them. I love them too, by the way. <laughs> I just say. It, it, it wasn't about mm-hmm. that. It was mm-hmm. up here. Yeah. And once once that sticks, it's so hard to get out of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was like the walls came down and I was able to finally have a new loving thought about this yeah. area of my body. And look at what you're saying. Like there's so many important parts to what you're saying there. You know, and I, I'll just correct one of them for now. Like you didn't, you, it wasn't that you became fixated with your thighs, you know, with your legs because fixated is the obsession of the mind mm. and fixated wants something to be rational. It wants it to make sense and it wants it to fit the paradigm that it, mm. that the expectation is there where we become enchanted. Yeah. Right. Yes, it was. uh, It was like, um, yeah, it was like uh, I'm so amazed by you both, (laughs) and yeah, Mm -hmm. enchanted is a great word. And and there's an appreciation, and I think you know the look how beautiful and magical life is. Like we can walk outside at any point of the day, and nature is going to serenade us. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's also one of the things that we lose in our in our fast paced society is that we don't pay attention. So stop and smell the flowers. Mm -hmm. That is so profound when you're on mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. You want to stop and smell everything. Why don't I do this every day? How do I get anything done? Okay, but there you go. (laughs) So why don't I do this every day? So how do we take this, you know, this momentary profound experience and how do we turn it into everyday living, everyday enchantment? And, And that's the part that integration, I think, becomes so important. And so after, you know, you have that journey, there's the pink cloud and, and your life is changed and you call everybody and you love them and all of that, right? And then Monday morning comes along and you go back to your yep. routine. You go back to the same routine that you had and and more and more it it begins to that big expansion you start to contract back into your regular life. So here's like where the integration becomes important always change up the routine you know even if it means like you don't drink your coffee at six instead you meditate first and you know it it doesn't the smallest most subtle interferences Mm -hmm. is how we begin to integrate and embody these things and you think about the experience experience is so profound it's an interference to the way we thought we were even words like you said it a moment ago self-love yes self-love gets thrown around but you know when you really connect with what does that mean to 
me right now. There's this profound myopic way of just being with what is. And then how do I be that in the world? You know, how do I be this experience? And it's just like any other habit, like you have to act it, right? You have to smell those flowers. Mm -hmm. You have to get on the ground. You have to look people in the eye. You have to do these things that during that journey, you were like, that's it. I'm, I'm fixed. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like that. I've seen the light. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's such a wise, wise piece of advice. And, you know, I think those who study the brain and and through these Mm -hmm. experiences um, have studied the default mode network Mm -hmm. and these groomed runs that take place in your brain that are formed through habit Mm -hmm. and ritual, everything, your, your personality. Exactly. And you go through an experience like this and and those runs, those groomed runs are essentially shuffled. Mm -hmm. They're groomed and there's a chance to write new patterns. Mm -hmm. If you go back into the same patterns, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. same coffee in the morning, Mm -hmm. you go for the same walk, Mm -hmm. you get on your laptop at the same time. Even if those are seemingly harmless, they're cues for the brain to begin to think and and have self-talk in the same way that you once did. So I think that's an incredible piece of advice. Uh, we we even use, you know, when you go on a vacation or mm-hmm. when you change your, your environment State, for a long mm-hmm. period of time, it similarly shuffles and, and grooms the default mode mm-hmm. network. So when you get back, it's like, that's actually a great time to change rituals, change Every, habits yeah. is after like a vacation. Well, the same advice I would give for for something mm-hmm. like this, um, wildly, wildly powerful. Um, and, and yeah, you have those moments like, why do I keep doing that? Uh-huh. Well, mm-hmm. dude, you keep doing it because your brain is like groomed in a way that is going to nudge you to continue to do them mm-hmm. in a compulsive manner. Mm-hmm. You're so, looking for efficiencies in life, in your sober life, yeah. you know, to get the job done, to complete the mission, to do the work in the right way. You need to be efficient. And I would say it's one of your superpowers, you know, being efficient. <laughs> it requires us to not take a cartwheel as we're, you know, on our way to, you know, the finish line of the race. It's like, just go the most efficient way. And I think that that's, I don't want to demonize our patterns and our neural networks in the way that we like, we we need them. Like if we didn't have the most efficient way of thinking, maybe we wouldn't get things done in the same way. Um, And, but I think that, you know, psychedelics in general do offer us uh, a really beautiful way to, um, take a cartwheel yeah. once in a while yeah. and, and realize the beauty in the cartwheel and that, man, I really needed that cartwheel. I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. So one of my, my favorite quotes from um, Carl Jung mm-hmm. is until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's like one that you can meditate on for hours. Yes. I feel like, um, but I would love to hear from you in the scope of, you know, psychedelics. Oftentimes mm-hmm. it's talked about in this way to access maybe the subconscious, the unconscious. Um, how much easier is that work with psychedelics? Mm-hmm. How does psychedelics assist in that way mm-hmm. of, as Carl puts it, until you make the unconscious conscious? Well, how do we do that mm-hmm. if it's unconscious? Mm-hmm. So talk about that a little bit um, in the the accessing of the unconscious with psychedelics. I love your question so much because <laughs> you just lead me to the places I want to be. <laughs> I mean, this, the simple statement with that is what you're talking about, a shadow work. Right. And I have found that integration and shadow work are one and the same. You know, we, we can call them different things, but ultimately, like doing shadow work is about bringing what is unconscious and subconscious, you know, to integrate that into consciousness. And so I think, you know, the the medicines 
they can fast pace that, right? For a lot of us, not not for everybody. So again, you know, to manage people's expectations, you're not going to go into this and have like a, you know, a profound experience all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think that what you say in that, Mimi, the first part of this is let's let's go back to the mind and. The mind is so rigid. Like we have, we think right, and we think rationally, and and it's again, it's it's convergent thinking, right? It's not. We don't have the capacity, oftentimes, to think outside the scope of what we are task oriented, right? And and how many people actually sit around and daydream? Because the other thing that we want to say as a caveat here is that you don't need to use psychedelics to have spiritual experiences, to have mm-hmm. mystical experiences. Yep. And there are many people that actually get very um, defensive about that, right? I don't need this. No. You absolutely don't. But these little allies, I mean, think about them. They're, I mean, you're the mushroom mama. Like, how do regular <laughs> mushrooms affect, right? It is, yeah. this is the connector to everything. Yeah. And so I think that using these, um, and again, depending on how you're using, using these different medicines, it gives you access to, I first want to say memories that are in the body. Mm. You know, and those memories are not always, um, you, you can't articulate them, right? They're just feelings, they're sensations, they arise in certain ways. And let's talk about people that are, you know, maybe using these to help with trauma. When you experience compound trauma, you leave your body. Your body is mm-hmm. not a safe container any longer. And if you leave your body and you're not safe in your body, then you're not safe in the world. And if you're not safe in the world, you're not safe in your body because your body is the world, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so even like, you know, what people that I've worked with ha- coming back to their body and feeling, Oh my God, it feels safe to be here. Mm. You know, w- for those of us that are in our bodies, we take that for granted, but to feel that my heart's not racing mm. right now, this is what peace feels like, or to be quiet and be like, this is what silence feels like for many of us. That's like, yes. But for people that have experienced severe trauma, that's not safe to yeah. feel mm-hmm. that in their body. So to bring that safety first back to our vehicle, like this is our first companion that we came into the world with, I think is the most important thing. So to your question, how would that bring about what is unconscious? Well, think about where all of that goes when you're not comfortable with yourself, those memories, you repress them mm-hmm. and they go into the shadow, they go into that place. So let's talk about MDMA because I think that that's in, and that's one that's coming online really soon here and it's being, you know, worked with um, vets, it's being worked with PTSD. Why does it work? You know, and, and the reason it works, at least as they're saying, is that it quiets the amygdala, the part of the brain that is the fear response. And so when you can calm that part, you can talk about things that would arouse you or irritate mm-hmm. you or make you uncomfortable without having the visceral defensive reaction. Yeah. So part of, you know, working with people with trauma is that you're you're not able to create a dialogue of what happened to you. Now, let's say that you, you know, take MDMA and suddenly you can recall the experience to the best of your ability and you give it language in the beginning was the word and the word was God like word is very important and when we can understand something and put it into context in some way yeah the body softens against it hey friends I'm changing the subject for just a second to invite you into an act of appreciation If the Medicine Podcast has added value to your life in any way, maybe bringing more consciousness into your partnership, your spirituality, or the products that you choose to have in your house, we would be so grateful if you could take two minutes to write a review in Apple Podcasts. 
And because this means so much to us, we will send you some of our favorite products to say a big thank you. Here's what you do. When you write your genuine five-star review in Apple Podcasts, before you push submit, take a screenshot and email that to themedicinepodcast at gmail.com. Remember, medicine does not have an E on the end. Themedicinepodcast at gmail.com. Along with your name and shipping address, we will then personally send you a special surprise thank you. It could be real mushrooms, Organifi, King Coffee, Keon, or even Immune Intel AHCC. It means that much to us. Cheers and love. And so just by, um, what's, what do I want to say? Um, hijacking, right? Yep. That part of the brain, you begin to feel comfortable with yourself. Mm-hmm. So what did you say? Self-love, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. self-acceptance, all these selves. Now people that are, let's call them journeyers. And they're like using this to expand consciousness. Well, you asked me a little while ago, like, what were some of my own downloads? Given that I've been working with, you know, this mythopoetic language of archetypes my, my, for many years, they come alive for me. Mm-hmm. I'll be sitting there and the fool card, like what we're looking at right now, I have like this divine revelation. Mm. And, it f- and the point is, is it feels so big and real in my body. So, you know, if I go and I jot it down later on, I talk about it and I'm like, oh, you knew that. The point was, is that something shifted energy energetically in my field and when that shift happens in my field and I engage with you or I engage with my husband or I engage with another I'm creating a shift in that field as well Mm -hmm. right what's the point of mushrooms under the soil what are they doing they're uh, connecting everything (laughs) yeah because everything is connected Mm -hmm. right and so when we rekindle our connection with others intentionally not just hi how you doing okay good right then we start to create changes that radiate outward Right. So that is how we begin to bring what is unconscious back into the conscious. It's not just individually, it's collectively yeah. mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Beautiful. Yeah, I think if if anybody is held on to something uh, uh, that's been shameful or maybe it's guilt, um maybe it's just pain and you've you've worked through that fear, you cry it out, you say you're sorry, you admit when you've been telling a lie and that breath of relief on the other side of that, that is a MDMA experience (laughs) without, without the kind of like fear of having to work through how hard it is to get this out. But when you finally let it out and you have that cleansing cry and you're like, wow, I got a freaking weight off my chest. Yeah, yeah. It's so clear when you hear about, um, I forget, I forget her name. She's a, she's a, I think a doctor, an MD. Mm-hmm. And she was uh, talking about how she uses, she, her and her husband use MDMA mm-hmm. as their couples therapy. Yeah. That's where it originated. Twice, yeah, yeah. Twice a year. Oh, okay. Twice a year they sit and they have an experience together and it allows this safe space. I feel like we've said safe so many times and that's like a core value of this whole conversation, but it creates the safety um, and, and we've experienced this in our own reconciliation of our, you know, relationship is that everything that is said is safe. Mm-hmm. 
everything mm-hmm. that is said is allowed. Mm-hmm. Allowed. Yeah. Everything that is said has a seed of truth in it. Mm-hmm. Where in sober living and sober reality, um, you know, we have our ego up. Pride is very real, mm-hmm. and we want to defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that. Uh, we and our partner know, like, no, no, I'm not a bad person. I'm not. A, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Or here's why I did it. Here's, here's why I think it. The, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of those, that need for explanation or defense, completely drops away, and you're able to actually hear your partner without with those doors of perception being totally clear. So you're hearing what they're actually saying, what they're actually feeling without any dilution from your own psyche, consciousness, you know, filters, defense, pride, whatever you want to call it. And I think that's why it's so um, powerful for couples, because not only is everything safe, Everything is also received. Right. It's an it's an empathogen. Like yep. I mean, MDMA yes. is an empathogen and it originated in couples counseling. That's where, you know, back at the same time when there was this the, the first renaissance, you know, there were many therapists that were working using this in couples therapy for that reason and and what I think the words you're saying there you can hear the other person. I like to say that like your heart can yeah. hear. Yep. It's yes. not even your ears anymore because no. it's not your ego. You just feel. Yeah. You feel so much empathy. And compassion for the other, but also for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the piece, you know, you, you talked about the, you know, the default mode network and, and maybe how it's connected to the ego. And there's a big, this is another big one, right? Like I'm going to have an ego death, yeah, and, yeah. the ego annihilation. Right. And, I, and I love the irony in that. Like the people that are like, I got to have an ego death. Like are, who's got to have the ego yeah. death here, right? <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it does, it helps to quiet that part, right? So yeah. now you can be present with all of yourself. And that that second part of that quote, what we don't, you know, confront in ourselves, we meet outside ourselves as fate. Fate is is also though it is the communion with others to help bring out what is unconscious, mm-hmm. right? And so we do need the feedback from others to trigger to help us feel these feelings that might not otherwise mm-hmm. arise. And we're talking about MDMA, so we'll continue with that. And I think when you pair the MDMA with it, there's also I, our innate curiosity to understand the other before yeah. ourself. Yep. Because in our ego mind, it's we're always first. I want to understand you, but so that I can feel safe with myself. So I know how to interact with you. So I know what you need from me. But with, you know, on MDMA, y- you don't matter as mm-hmm. much as the we matter. Yes. And even if the we is me and my tree, right? There's yeah. the, the we-ness, I, you know, me and thou. <laughs> <laughs> and and the reason I I brought up the idea of, of when you finally tell the truth, you release your shame, you release your guilt, uh, in combination with, uh, MDMA Mm. is that this is not to say that MDMA is a crutch that you need to use constantly in order to deal with challenge in a relationship Mm -hmm. or to admit when you're wrong. Rather, it gives you a taste on, on the other side of what it's like to have that level of connection. So the next time, let's just say we're using the example of, of working with your significant other through challenging topics. When you've been able to experience what it's like on the other side of yeah. getting through the challenge or the resistance or the charged nature of a particular topic with empathy and compassion, and you know that you're flooded with fulfillment mm-hmm. and peace, it gives you fuel to work through it in a way that 
when you hear those triggers from maybe it's your ego mm. or from little buttons that are pressed mm. or your wounds, you're like, actually, I know what's on the other side of this mm -hmm. when empathy is mm -hmm. the nutrient to, to work through it mm. such that you can begin to, hey, I'm going to put this, the, the story that I'm telling myself right now mm. to the side yeah. and I'm staying here with you. We're working through this. And so it's not a crutch that, hey, the only way you're going to get through this in a relationship is to get to go do a, a therapeutic MDMA session. Rather, it, it gives you a taste on what it's like through it mm -hmm. yeah. such that you can start to integrate and bring mm -hmm. it into your own life, yeah. knowing that there is nothing but satiation, fulfillment, and peace on the other side of the work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I mean, and what the, you know, the, they teach us is that the things that we are looking for out there and that we have to do these things to do that, are, that's not true, right? That's backward. That those yeah. things exist. I am peace. Yeah. You know, I am love. I am home. I am safety. And we're not taught that. That is not something that we naturally know about ourselves anymore. I mean, many other cultures did. And so I think, you know, coming back to the the spirit in these plants, it also just reminds us of who we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm, right. Yeah. But how do you take that into everyday life? And when you are triggered and, you know, your ego feels justified in being angry about things. And and that's where I think that, you know, there's a, a, a disenchantment that happens for people that have the expectation that I'm going to I'm going to do this and it's going to change me as this kind of person. And instead, you know, some go off the other way and they they become um, destabilized. Mm -hmm. And so that that's why, again, and we say this mm -hmm. at the beginning as a disclaimer, this is not for everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that this needs to be entered into with you know some level of I don't know, knowledge how so that's a great useful segue um how do you know if this is right for you i mean that's the question <laughs> and and think about that too because there's the initiation you ask somebody that that's coming to you that's coming to a substance right so they're already seeking outside themselves they're searching not that there's anything wrong with that but they then there's this expectation that somebody else is going to tell them this mm -hmm. is you should do this this is going to be good for you mm -hmm. well anybody that's ever done any psychedelic is happy to tell the world that they should be putting lsd in the drinking water <laughs> right <laughs> I mean, for sure. Yeah. But it, again, it, it becomes its personal choice, right? And when we talk about shadow work and we talk about this integration, like you still have to be conscious and it, it's a personal choice. So how do you know if it's right for you? I don't know. Sleep on it. Yeah. Is it right for you tomorrow? You know, like you're teaching a person how to connect with their internal feedback system and not make them dependent upon something yeah. outside of them. Yep. I love that because you just totally flipped the question. You know, I, I'm in my podcast host mind. I'm thinking, oh, she's going to give three great, yeah. you know, look for this, look for this, look for this. We you might be ready for psychedelics. And it's, mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful example of why you're a great teacher is you're leading people back to themselves. Mm -hmm. You're not saying, hey, I have all the answers. Listen to me. It's like you have all the answers. What are you feeling? Mm -hmm. And uh, I should know better by mm -hmm. now when I mm -hmm. ask you a question mm -hmm. like that. Uh, but it, it was, it's so perfect. And so I love that where it's like, if someone were to think about that question, are psychedelics right for me? Should I do psychedelics? Should I look into this? But let's, but let's be practical for your sake and for your listeners too. I mean, so you go and you listen to other people's experiences, 
You know, you, I mean, first and foremost, I wouldn't go to any facilitator guide, like anything without a personal reference. Strip mall mm-hmm. shaman Brett. For sure. Like yeah. for, I mean, if he had like a five-star review from right. yeah. like six people I knew. Fuck boy shamans. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> right. So I, I think that that's important. Like we, we want to empower people to take personal agency of their life. So, you know, ask around, listen to what other people have done. If there's, I think that also, if you feel called to a certain plant, right? If there's mm-hmm. something that feels not just because everybody's talking about, you know, oh, I, 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 what feels right to you. And, you know, the other thing that, that I do, and I think is important as well, is just commune with the plant. Like before you actually even take the mushrooms, like hold them, look at them, put them on your altar, like just check them out. Like, what does it feel like to be in relationship with this? Because again, we're so blind. We just take things, right? It's just consume, consume, yeah. consume. Mm-hmm. So I think ask around, find other stories, see if there is is a one of them that you connect with more than the other. Be really clear on what you're hoping you're going to get from that. Um, you know, ask yourself the most, why now? That's it. Why now do mm-hmm. I want to do this? If we have to get really clear yeah. about why now, we drop into, you know, that timeless place of just the awareness, right? Uh, well, I think I should because like, you know, no, 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 get out of your mind and move into your body. Why now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those yeah. are great. Super great. Um, on the, the theme of having an experience and instead of being the one like trying to vet options and decide whether you want to do this, how about you are someone who has Mm -hmm. had an experience and you're trying to have reverence and respect for what you just went through Mm -hmm. without being like, Oh my God, it's the best thing ever. You have to do it. I'll I'll give you an example. Um, and and this wasn't, I was trying to, wasn't trying to convince them rather. I was trying to share this breakthrough that I had. And um, I'm in a journey, one of the first I'd ever had, and there's a good portion of this very long journey where I'm in deep respect and just empathy for my parents Mm. and everything that they have done in their lives Mm -hmm. to uh, support me, get me to where I am, that they came out of poverty, Mm -hmm. the, the sacrifice that they've made, the risks that they've taken, what they've gone through in their individual and, and uh, lives and relationship. And I'm just, I'm weeping. I'm in mm-hmm. such gratitude for them. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> like the next day mm-hmm. I, I just gush on them. And I'm like, I am. Mm-hmm. And of course they're not used to this for me. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite as, as uh, gentle as I am now and open about my feelings and expressive, but I'm just word vomiting on them, how much I love them. And it's like, you guys have done so much for me. You don't have to do anything ever again for the rest of your lives. And you've already done more than I could ever yeah. ask for. You yeah. know, th- that type of stuff. And they're looking at me like, what the hell is going <laughs> on with this guy? And like, my mom almost couldn't handle it. Like she yeah. couldn't handle that much love. Yeah. And so she kind of just ignored what was going on and like quickly changed the topic. And my dad was like, thanks son. <laughs> you know, And so I left that like, okay, so that's not how you try to integrate these massive breakthroughs. Cause I wanted it to be felt, you know? Yeah. Um, well, why and, not? I think that was beautiful. Yeah. I don't think there's a should or should not. I think it was your soul speaking. Like I need to, oh, I can't, I can't keep this in anymore. I need to tell them. And the, the telling is not so much for their receiving. It's for you right. in the telling to and share the experience the of, yeah, sharing. But I guess like post, uh, uh, just hyper experience that is profound. How do you distill it in bite-sized chunks for your 
the people that you love mm-hmm. to be able to be impacted by what just took place instead of yeah. completely over the top of their head? Yeah, that's a great question because I mean that, and that's one that comes up in preparation. It uh, follows like this: do not do no harm. If if you know that your environment of you know friends or family are not really open to this or are going to have judgment. Remember, you are so impressionable after the experience Mm -hmm. as well. So I always say, hold it. It's sacred. Just hold it. Let it gestate in there. Don't necessarily go tell everybody right away. Like, let it just be there. Because, I mean, you know this. I mean, things are unfolding and unfurling for months after Mm -hmm. the fact. And especially if you know that the person you're going to share is going to be, like, have any judgment or make any face. You just you don't want to do that to yourself, yeah. right? But one thing that you know we do a lot of is you write letters, and you don't have mm-hmm. to give them right away. But you want to express all of that. It might be cards. It might you know all of these ways that that still allow for you to facilitate the emotion that's coming up. But being really mindful that when once you share this, it's not yours anymore, right? Somebody else, anybody's expression, or even that's amazing. Like you did that. Now it's become a shared experience. Mm. So I think there's something to just sort of holding it and letting it be sacred for a little bit before you share it with others. And then I also think if this is the first time that you, you do this, you do want to have somebody that knows that you're doing it and Mm -hmm. a a safe person Mm -hmm. that will be there to support you after yeah. the fact, you know. aside from the guide or facilitator, yeah. If if yeah. And, and if there isn't a guide or facilitator, you definitely want to have somebody that's going to hold that for you. <laughs> like when you go to make a major life decision, like yeah. the next day, because you had some breakthrough, you're like, yeah. I'm moving, yep. or I'm selling my house, yep. or buying something, and or, your friend's like, whoa, 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 hey, <laughs> let's give this thing a week. Or that's uh, a good point. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, women going on dates. You know, okay, like, hey, I'm going on a date with a new guy yeah. here. Um, just want to let you know if I don't call you by 11:30. Um, you know, call me or something uh-huh. like that. Like, yes, yeah. and and that's safe, right? You're setting yeah. that up, and I think that the other piece too. I mean, I I get lots of um, texts or I get emails, and and they're they're gushing. You know, like oh, you this and that, and I'm, I'm often want to respond. Were you on MDMA? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, because it's just so beautiful. So yeah. you know, that was a lot for your mom. And the other thing too is that when something's coming at you like that, it's the energy, and we we don't always know how to yeah. respond. And so just be careful with who you're yep. sharing yeah. all of your your profound experience with. Yeah, yeah and then if you decide that you want to share it. Um, <clears throat> You know, maybe it's more helpful to give it in little pieces, sound bites, little like capsules, mm-hmm. rather than a fire hose. Maybe just a little capsule yeah. here and there, and you can. <laughs> then it might be more, you know, received better from the person who's hearing it, and then the shared experience is still positive. Yeah. Where if they didn't respond the way that you're thinking that they're going to respond, and they're like, oh. And you're like, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like comes back to expectation. Yeah. Right. But if you just give them a little sound bite yeah. or a little bit. And really what's when it's felt is the consistent integration and application of what you've learned mm-hmm. into your life for years. Mm-hmm. And they're able to see, wow, something has changed. Yes. Exactly. And I think, you know, coming back to that point too, that, you know, when people are working with this and they do have profound changes, we want others to feel good too. Yeah. yeah. And so we share. And and this is where people are getting very curious now is that it's moving from this being some sort of like psychedelic experience to being a healing experience yeah. or, you know, self-development or self-awareness. So it's piquing our curiosity from a different place. And it's, uh, you know, I, I personally think everybody's 
going to try something at some point, mm-hmm. you know, to have this experience. It's part of our human nature. I mean, you watch little kids on the playground, they go round and round. Why do you think they spend round and round? <laughs> They're getting high. They're getting yeah, high, right. Baby. First well, experience. Saying, like, hey, <laughs> yeah. you want to know what it's like? Take 45 minutes and breathe in and out as fast yeah. as you can. And, and that's about as close to a mushroom experience as anything else. Like you'll blast off. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's at least one more thing I, yeah. I want to talk about. Um, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. We've mentioned spirits, mm-hmm. um, spirits of the plants. Mm-hmm. Um, we've mentioned a spiritual dimension that potentially we interact with in these uh, sessions or these mm-hmm. journeys. What is it for you? How do you define? I'm constantly wondering, like, what the hell am I interacting with? Is this my brain? Is this God? Is this an angel <laughs> or fairies? Or what dimension am I in? What am I interacting with? And I don't personally care. It doesn't keep me up at night. I just let it happen. Mm-hmm. But I'm also curious from somebody who's well-versed mm-hmm. in union psychology mm-hmm. and archetype mm-hmm. and symbols and numerology and 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 anything esoteric really mm-hmm. what are we interacting with because some people are very like this is the demon realm and this is the angel realm mm-hmm. and the astral and i'm just always like what the fuck i don't know any of this stuff <laughs> but i'm having an interaction with something that seems more than just like my brain mm-hmm. isn't it beautiful yeah it's the mystery yeah why do we need to seek to define it <laughs> why do we need to seek to claim it and yeah. call it what it is i mean i think that this is really like having these experiences gives us that break from that need to know mm-hmm. you know william james you know the godfather of religious experience you know one of the ways that he defined the mystical experience is that it's ineffable Mm. And if it's ineffable, like it, you, it, it transcends the ability to be able to explain it. And when we can't explain it, we become rapidly aware of what's happening and yeah. we engage in it. And so I think like that, that force is our own engagement. But all of those other things, is it the, this realm? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, and yes, and this is what all poetry and art, it comes from this place. It's, it's the place of transcendence and Neptune as I would say in my language. So what is it? I don't know. And yeah. I'm okay not knowing, yeah. you know, and, and I don't know which leads us here to these wonderful conversations. Yeah. 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 I love that feeling. It's, it's such a paradox back to the fool of, mm-hmm. um, I know because I experienced it and it was realer, almost more real than my, you know, nine to five job that I go to every day. So I know, but I also don't know. Like it, you just said, I don't, no, but I had a noetic experience. I had mm-hmm. a download experience that I'm not forgetting. Mm-hmm. It's not like drinking and getting or getting high on mm-hmm. cannabis mm-hmm. or something where you have all these amazing thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you're kind of like, what was I talking about? Mm-hmm. It's it, it lands. It sticks with you, at least in my experience. These aren't truths that I easily forget the next day. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm still might be going through the work of being able to integrate them mm-hmm. and make meaning out of my everyday life. Mm-hmm. How does this make me a better partner? How does this make me a better friend? Mm-hmm. How does this make me a better sister? Those are you know found over time. But I, I know that the noetic download, the noetic experience of I know, I know this is true for mm-hmm. me, self-love, like... Mm-hmm. I know that I'm meant to be with this human. Like there's no question. Mm-hmm. I don't have to question it. And I don't have to convince anyone else of this truth for me. Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of a, a word that we tried to stay away from, but like this experience of truth, 
I don't feel like I need to convince anyone of it because I'm that sure of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We try to convince almost like we're still convincing ourselves yeah. of the truth. Yeah. And that's something that has been so profound for me, you know, in these experiences is like, I don't need to convince anyone of mm-hmm. this, what I experienced. Mm-hmm. It, it was like, it was like a gift from God mm-hmm. to me, like mm-hmm. from me to me. Yeah. And it, in a, even on that knowing that you're talking about, it's, it's a knowing that isn't, um, it, it's a knowing that flows like a river, right? It's mm-hmm. not permanent. I don't know punctuation, that's it, end of the road. But it's a knowing that in some way anchors me into the connection in this moment. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that that's one of the most profound gifts that, you know, these these plant medicines offer us is this uh, this we talk about being present. We have no idea what being present is until like, I mean, you are so incredibly present in that moment. And I think when we're in that state of presence, we don't seek to need to quantify and qualify things. We just want to experience, right? It's It's about the dance. It is. And, and it's about the engagement. Yeah. And I, it makes me think of, you know, what Terrence McKenna Mm -hmm. would talk about in the sense that, this is why they've been demonized and made illegal Mm -hmm. is because of the empowering nature of having these experiences and being able to take autonomy and authority of your own life uh, back into the way that you live. What do you think? Well, and spirituality because of what, you you know, like think about our our spirituality has been um, given to us through the form of religion, right? Given to us through the form of, I mean, nowadays, I mean, consumerism, Mm -hmm. right? But this is access to, Yep. Right. What is every? It's all of it. It's law is here. Mm-hmm. It's politics. It's your country. Health is through science mm-hmm. and scientism, mm-hmm. and connection to God is through religion. Mm-hmm. Would do you think that let's just say the powers that be mm-hmm. loosely are aware of the power of these types of substances mm-hmm. and thus concerned with keeping them from the people? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a whole nother podcast, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, you know, now we're talking about conspiracy yeah. and such. Um, we can just flirt with it on this one. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, and that's what it is. Like, I, you know, I, I try to be measured in my conspiracy approaches yeah, to same, things, same. you know, and right. I mean, I, I have to wonder why something that is so sacred and so available. And again, think about, you know, these, these in particular, you know, with mushrooms, they treat the whole organism, right? The whole organism. Yeah. Yeah. So why would that be something that is not available to us? Yeah, it does make me wonder. And if you read that book, Chasing the Scream, you know, he does a really great job of, of tracing those roots and understanding where our hatred and our um, prejudice of drugs comes from. One of the questions I receive most on social media is, what do you use for your teeth? How do you keep them so white? And my answer is always the same. I keep them insanely clean using high quality dental products. My personal favorites come from Living Libations. They are the most effective and cleanest that I've found. Like their triple mint enamelizer toothpaste. This is formulated with a very special ingredient called nano hydroxyapatite. Hydroxyapatite is a mineral that occurs naturally in our teeth, saliva, and bones. It helps keep teeth looking white by sealing the pores of the surface of the enamel and encouraging the natural mineralization process of our teeth. 
so teeth are healthy, mineralized, and more resistant to staining and discoloration. Myself and many other dental experts agree that hydroxyapatite is superior and safer than fluoride. To try the Triple Mint Enamelizer Toothpaste or any of the Living Libations products, visit livinglibations.com and use the code MEDICINE for a discount. And to learn more of my holistic dental tips, listen to episodes 79 and 84 of the Medicine Podcast. When we know better, we can do better. Enjoy. So to answer your question, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to say I don't know, but I, yes, I think that things that will let us be as close to true nature mm-hmm. as we are, I think that's scary. Yeah. I think that's very scary. But but I also want to I want to couch that in if I was the power to be or whoever that is, I'd be scared to give it to our society as well. We are an adolescent society. We have no spiritual roots and grounding. You know, and which brings me to this point. So let's say you have a a positive MDMA experience, right? And it's your first one. And you're like, that was amazing. I'm going to do it again. Because I bet you will be even more amazing. And then you do it again and you're like, well, that wasn't as good, but let me try it one more, right? That's our, we want more, 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 mm-hmm. more. And what's built into these substances, they're they're not addictive. Mm-hmm. They don't work. You can't overuse them. Yeah. But our society is so sick in terms of its addiction that we are psychologically addicted yep. to these things. Yeah. Yep. And and that, that is a, that's a tough it's a tough spot to be in as we're turning this over for others. Like we expect that we have this reverence and this responsibility to engage in this realm. And frankly, we don't. Right. I think there still is escapism at play. Absolutely. Um, it's still getting high uh, to a, to a certain degree mm-hmm. if that's how you choose to partake. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, and even something like MDMA, it's a flood of serotonin. And if you exhaust that capacity for your own body to produce serotonin mm-hmm. through something like a substance, you'll begin to like quite literally forget how to find fulfillment in your daily life and be significantly more susceptible to depression. Mm-hmm. So these things have your, your, your neural pathways, the sensitivity of these things, if you're taking mushrooms consistently and constantly mm-hmm. will now dull real life. And mm-hmm. so these things are, uh, we, we've got a, uh, a great, you know, fitness expert uh, I've looked up to for a long time mm-hmm. as he's, as he's educated around this, he looks at it in the same way that he does a, very intense event. You know, he's a big Spartan racer, mm-hmm. marathon runner. Mm-hmm. He's like, I prepare psychologically, physically for mm-hmm. a journey exactly. in the same way I would a marathon. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it feels like that much work on yeah. my system. Which yeah. also means I'm not doing a marathon every weekend. Yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's like maybe once or twice a year, if I really want to engage with it in the right yeah. way, in a conscious way and, and yeah. set myself up for success. Yeah. If we are truly using these guides, these allies for spiritual evolution, I suppose, rather than, you know, chasing an escape or chasing a high. Mm -hmm. um, And and we and the thing the problem is, is that the collective shadow is that we even if like us, we're like we're consciously entering in the ceremony on the solstice, and like I'm not. Yes, you are. Yes, we are. We're all part of this yeah. escape. It's part. It's built into the fabric of who we are, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think you know part of my reengagement with these substances after taking a really long break from them, I needed to do that for myself so that I could show myself that you know I could still achieve this level of spiritual enlightenment on my mm-hmm. own because my I, what I was brought 
brought up with was a very different model. And my first experience was also one of escapism and all of these other, you know, different ways of not going inward, but mm-hmm. outward. So re-engaging with this was something that I'm still super aware of that little shadow that's over there on the side. Like, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? You're bored. I don't know. Well, let's, I don't want to do some mushrooms. Yeah, let's do mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but I myself need to yeah. know why, why now? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I love that question. We can ask ourselves and um, ask each other if we're, you know, in a, in a group setting or, uh, or whatever, but something you said mm. reminded me of a quote that we have written down here to kind of ponder and play around with. Um, this quote is from Satyananda Saraswati. Um, oh, and yeah. Her, <laughs> I, him. him mm-hmm. I, they say, psychedelics allow us to taste the beyond, but do not make us masters of the transcendental. So good. It's like the same thing. The map is not the territory. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we, we seek to, I mean, we seek to have all these truths, to know all these, to have access to all of that. But then for what? Mm-hmm. You know, then then is there's the fool. Then is the actual journey. Yep. You end up having mm-hmm. more questions anyway. You know, it just mm-hmm. leads you into more questions. You go into it with a hundred and you end with a thousand. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, there's there's more. And maybe that's the point, right? It's just like it really takes you out of the 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 fixation on your tunneled world mm-hmm. and, and just having that perspective. It's kind of like staring up at the night sky mm-hmm. when you feel completely tiny yet mm. still significant. Yeah. Um, and it's, that's a really beautiful feeling. That is mm-hmm. the best feeling. It's that infinite. I've, I had that experience sitting at the, in the grand Canyon looking out and thinking about what created this grand Canyon and how small I am in the scope of that. But then also like, I am as big as everything else here. And that is like that paradox. I think that when, um, you know, especially when you're really at that peak, you know, and on a, having a psychedelic experience, it's this openness where, you know, they call it the ego death, but you lose sense of your physicality and you are one with everything. Mm -hmm. That's really hard to then like, do that in your everyday life. But how do you do it? Right? That's and so the integration work that I'm doing is how do you make what is infinite? How do you make that something that is accessible? How do you create magic in your everyday life that is that makes you feel like you're part of it? Mm-hmm. We keep trying to go back to like that that mystery. And if we become dependent upon something outside of ourselves, then we miss the fucking point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. these are these gen generate something from within because it's all within. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. I think that's uh, maybe a a great place that um, I want to tug Mm -hmm. on that a little deeper. Mm -hmm. And I think this would be a great place to kind of tie this all into a bow is talking about this. We've mentioned it a few times, integration and Mm -hmm. integrating it. Um, If we could distill it down, Mm -hmm. uh, which I know is (laughs) probably a whole podcast in and of itself, Mm -hmm. but you know, how do we go about integrating these experiences for actual long-term change in mm-hmm. our life. I think the first time that we met you and sat, you know, in an, in a, a plant medicine ceremony with you, you said something and I'm probably going to butcher it, but at the end, I believe you said something like kind of a question for everyone in the group to ponder. And that was, how does this change you today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you could talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit and correct me if I got that totally nope. wrong, but I'm pretty sure I was that, that question <laughs> has stayed in my mind, Good. you know, thinking about, yes, we might get more 
information downloads or more, you know, insights to our experience. But in that moment when you're so raw and fresh mm -hmm. and reflective mm -hmm. and it's so, you can still taste <laughs> the medicine, <laughs> you know, uh, how does this change you today? Mm -hmm. I'll let you speak now. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And that's, that's precisely, you know, the question. And I mean, you know, we've joked about this in the past. I'm a Virgo. So for me, it, you know, I, I want like all of the knowledge, but unlike a Gemini who just wants all the knowledge and all the questions, I'm like, okay, but how do you use this? Yeah. How do we make this accessible? How does, how do I become this thing? And so I think with, you know, integration, first of all, for somebody that, and everybody's a little bit different. Like I, you know, some people are going to have all these like downloads. They're going to be things they can write down. Other people are not going to have one stinking thought. I mean, interestingly enough, on mushrooms in particular, I don't have any thoughts. It's mm. all physical sensation. Mm. I can't even form thoughts on that. And that, you know, in my everyday life, I'm so much here. And so instead, it's like, okay, what did I feel? And how do I want to purposely, intentionally feel that afterwards? So if there are profound awarenesses that you have, journal, right? Yeah. Write them down. Re-engage with those thoughts. Dream incubation becomes something that's really important as well. So every night before you go to sleep, like, and I think this is you know pretty good rule of thumb after at least a week to two weeks after your journey dreaming incubation is before you go to sleep and you're in that liminal space you go back to the experience like mm. you go not in your head you go back to the experience in, in your body in that moment what were you thinking what are you feeling you might even position your body if it was in a certain way and you you continually try to generate the feeling and if there were thoughts they might come as well but if you do that on a regular basis in that liminal space Space, all of those awarenesses or whatever it is that we're looking for, they come up then. Mm. You get so much more after the fact than you do during. And the during is is sort of just like the doors. I think you use that, you know, it, unless you walk through the door, like it was just like, that's kind of cool. That looks neat. But then you forget. So integration is applying what you have learned, what you experienced in your everyday life. And we do that. Think about like all of the things that we do that are so we don't there's no mindfulness to them they're still rituals mm -hmm. so instead we create intentional rituals that seem to honor the sacredness of that experience and if in you know your journey you realize god i'm an asshole i need to really be a lot nicer to people like i need to be more compassionate i want to be vulnerable i want i want to experience my vulnerability and then you go right back into everyday life and here's the thing is that once you have the awareness you can't hide from it anymore yeah. Yeah. so here it comes up and it's like you just act like an asshole so in that moment you might instead be like from a compassionate heart how do i want to be right now right so there is the application you're transforming you're alchemizing we use all these words like digesting but unless you intentionally take something and turn it into something mm -hmm. else by way of yourself it doesn't stay yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So that yeah. integration is a continual turning over of that experience through the lens of the immediate. Yeah. Yep. It'll be different than it was, you know, when you were on it. So that coming back to, but right now, what does it mean to you right now? I'm still unraveling journeys. You know, I still have Good. breakthroughs and insights from mm -hmm. them, even just revisiting them the last you know, a week or so as we've been preparing for this conversation, I've been like, wow, think about that mm -hmm. and, uh, as the last three years have unfolded, you know. Um, but I'm also reaping the benefit of application almost immediately in certain lanes as well. Um, you know, I, I was significantly less expressive in the way that I feel about mm -hmm. people that I care about. Mm -hmm. 
prior to taking psychoactive mm-hmm. substances. Um, and I'm now just like uninterested in wasting a moment of telling somebody how much I love them or how much I appreciate them. And although at first it was like Chase has turned into a Southern California hippie, <laughs> he's in a phase, you know, he's in a phase. Okay. Uh, it's now what's almost expected, loved and appreciated about me from those who are close to me. And it's so, so beautifully rewarding. Um, and I, would not have been able to access that without these allies um, in my life. And, and it's just been so beautifully fruitful. And this integration is just such a critical piece for And that. that is such a beautiful example of what I was saying a moment ago, is that you took this change and you shared it with others. Thereby, you changed, you know, the, the field in that. Mm-hmm. And who knows then what that did for this person and that person. Yeah. And maybe before they were snickering behind your back and they were talking about like, oh, he's so mushy now. And now it's like, oh, y- you understand is it has that ripple effect. Yeah. And so these experiences, we think they're our own, but they're not. Yeah. You know? It's so true. Yeah. The ripple effect is so real and it can never be fully measured. Nope. And it can't be won't... taken back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love that. And I, I am so grateful uh, for you feeling safe to express that side of you mm-hmm. because it is you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. like, oh, Chase changed. Mm-mm. There was a change. There was a rerouting, I suppose. But it was more like the caution tape was taken the off. The shell and that was around my so heart good. was cracked so good. Yeah. wide open. So and, good. and yeah. you know, some of the emotion and the passion and the heartfelt connection that I personally felt was lacking in the first in part one of you know our marriage has been like set free uh, such that you don't you don't there's no reservation in telling the people you love including me mm-hmm. exactly how you feel yeah where previously I think that there was even though it was fully felt by you mm-hmm. it maybe wasn't communicated in the same way so yeah I have felt. Uh, definitely the the ripple of that, and I'm I'm so grateful that you feel safe in showing that side of you. It's because it's freaking beautiful, and I I get to reap the benefits of it every single day. It's and been. and I think what you said to him just now too. It's not that it, you didn't change; like you became yeah. a different, you became a, a, a more of a version of yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. And, I, and that's what I think over and over. These these bring us back home. Yeah, you know, just home to who we are. And that's why that the however profound it is, what we get, it also there's a familiarity to it. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I get of it. course, of, yeah. It's like the of course mm-hmm. feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. It's mushy love. Mushy love. <laughs> <laughs> Go buy mushy love, everybody. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Oh, I think that that's, that's a great place yeah. to close this up. Um, is there anything else in regards to psychedelics, psychoactive entheogens, mm-hmm. as, as we mm-hmm. like to call them? Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would want to leave the listener? Wow. Yeah. I mean, so much. Um, <laughs> I want to come back to something, though, that we, that you, we had the questions of what to ask. The other thing you want to ask somebody, if there's going to be a guide, um, you always want to ask, how much are they giving you? <laughs> yeah. The dose. Yeah. You know, we enter into this... Um, putting our trust into somebody else's hands, but that's something that you de- you definitely want to ask. You want to know what's going into your body so that if you ever need mm-hmm. to recount it, you can say that. So that's that's one piece. And I think requesting in layman's terms, because if, if the guide, if they say, how much are you giving me? And the guide says, oh, four grams. And you're like, 
is that a lot? Is that a little? Is but, that a medium amount? Right. Is that what? But that's why it's you, you do your research. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, again, be responsible, have agency. You know, we're brought up in a medical system where we don't advocate for ourselves. So advocate. Yeah. What is it? What does four grams mean? Like, yeah. look yeah. it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, great, that's a really good advice. For sure. Good piece. And then I, I think, too, like, you know, for people that are curious about this that have never done it, um, you know, it do your research, but it is. It's something I think that needs to also be approached with um, play. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't really talk that much about how much playful, you know, this is such a playful medicine. Yeah. And yeah. often what it brings us back to, I think we painted a really good picture about how powerful this can be and how we can, you know, uncover traumas and how we can feel comfortable in our body. But oftentimes, like, it is that laughing for three yeah. hours that, and, and it's not measurable. You can't be like, well, I solved all my problems, but something feels lighter, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's also really important for people, too, is that this doesn't have to be approached with such um, such a cloud. There, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a great point. There can be the, those moments of just irony where you're <laughs> laughing mm-hmm. at the download being home is where the heart is. And the <laughs> irony is hilarious, yes. and, but still deep and powerful yeah. and profound. Or you're laughing your way through what you mm-hmm. thought you were going to cry your way through. Totally. And mm. it's it's as healing, if not more, but but maybe the surprise element is is maybe the most beautiful part of it. Um, I, I've definitely had that. Just giggling uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, I love that. That's such a great way to put it. Like laughing your way through something you thought you were going to cry your way through. Yeah. yeah. It's still emoting, oh, right? It's so good. Like those big emotions, crying and laughing. Yeah, it's are a so release. Cathar- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So cathartic. Yeah. So I think that's also really an important piece. And then uh, also if um, you are going to procure your own medicine, you want to do that from a reliable source. Yeah. You always want to know, you know, they, they have... Um, uh, for MDMA and other things, what am I thinking, Chase? You can buy little um, kits mm-hmm. to test yeah. things. Mm-hmm. I think that's important if you're entering in this on your own. Just advocacy. Yeah. Advocate for your own safety in this yep, as well. Absolutely. And I think it's prudent to err on the side of caution in this area rather than like, well... It'll probably be fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then I think the biggest thing that I definitely want to leave is, you know, um, if somebody is struggling from addiction, you know, like really addiction, and they've been in an in addiction with alcoholism or any of those things, perhaps it's not the best time to jump immediately into another substance with the hopes mm. that it's going to cure the alcoholism or, yeah. you know, the other addiction. And so I strongly recommend, and, you know, addiction, the way that addiction is being treated is also going to change as is mental health, as, you know, these medicines become something that are more uh, um, accessible and of course legal as well. And so treating one illness with another medicine <laughs> might not always be the best route. And yeah. so I really encourage people that are struggling with addiction to to get help, like unbiased, I- impartial help with that and and not jump into anything without, you know, knowing. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Really good advice. Because for some it might not be an option yeah. and you might just have to accept that and mm. instead drink some blue lotus tea. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, where can before we ask you our okay. last question, mm-hmm. 
where can people find you, work with you? Um, every episode we have with you, every conversation we have with you, I inevitably get people that are like, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to talk to her. I need to call her. I need to contact her in some way. Where can people do that? How, how, how do you work with people? People can find me on Instagram, Adrian Soul Sessions. I, you'll put all my information yeah. in the notes. Um, I work with people remotely. I work with people in person. Um, I am taking a little bit of a break right now from doing a lot of client work. I'm doing a lot of shadow work with people um, and integration as part of the shadow work. But people can find me and have access to me. It's it's pretty easy in that okay. way. Um, and then what was the other question you asked me? Basically, I, I just wanted to give people a, a kind of a, a brief explanation of, you know, h- how would they work with you? Not the the means of contacting you, but like, what do you... What do I offer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, of course, the astrology and, and tarot, like my favorite systems, I offer that. Um, but in, in regards to this, if somebody's had a psychedelic experience, doesn't matter how long ago it was, and there's still material that you want to integrate, there's something that you want to explore, either from a mythopoetic place, you know, archetypally, or there was something that was really, um, really scared you or anything, I, you can work with me in that capacity. I mean, I... I love helping people understand, you know, their experiences. And as you have noted many times, I don't have the answer, but I am a hall of mirrors and I will help you better understand yourself. I am going to steal that description of of you. Adrian is a hall of mirrors. She will continue to reflect yourself back to you, which is beautiful and full of love but it also puts your bullshit right in front of your face (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) exactly and that you know that's what we want is we want to integrate our bullshit (laughs) in a loving way so that you know we can become our own jesters you know just like haha you're so you're so smart yeah Yeah. Yeah, right yeah Mm -hmm. full Mm. circle back to the fool yes all right last question Mm -hmm. what feels like medicine for you currently however you want to receive that question mm-hmm. what feels like medicine mm-hmm. i think watching nature right now like i've slowed down enough that you know i my life is in a huge transition right now and my mind is wanting to search for answers and needing to know and just slowing down and literally watching mm-hmm. nature watching the trees and the wind interact getting on the ground and watching the bugs there's so much that nature teaches about timing and about rhythm and and about like what we need you know the the rains that were here in southern california my backyard was full of mud i mean so much so much mud and I have a pig and the pig was you know enjoying the mud and something in me was like take your shoes off and go get in the mud mm. go just go walk through the mud and mm. that's gross it's really gross for a Virgo to do that <laughs> but nature was telling me I because my life feels like that right mm. now and so to listen and to go and walk and let the mud move through my toes in that way and probably be stepping in you know shit <laughs> but that's the medicine right now yeah. I don't have the answers but I'm just trusting right and nature it, it, nature teaches me that mm. Mm, beautiful yeah we love you so much mm. you thank you so dear much. dear friend and mentor you are so welcome this has been thank you yeah thank you guys for for hanging with us today and receiving i hope being open to learn about this very complex 
topic mm-hmm. um, that we did our best at, but certainly this isn't an exhaustive conversation. We could have 10 of these conversations and not even scratch the surface. Um, but I hope it was helpful and we would love to hear from you guys if it was helpful in any way or if you have other questions like we're here um, my DM door is always open at Mimi underscore the medicine at the underscore chasen underscore one <laughs> and we're just we're we're always open to yep. just hearing from you guys and and if you have questions or concerns or you know we try to live authentically as possible yeah. in life and um we would love to hear from you yeah uh we will talk to you next time go spread some light okay bye hey friend thanks for listening did you hear anything today that expanded your mind made you laugh touched your soul or caused you to think differently about this topic i hope so I invite you to share this episode with someone you love. It takes 30 seconds and has the potential for a great ripple effect. Our world needs more people having real, honest, and open-minded dialogue on big topics. And you never know, you may just change their entire day. We love you and appreciate you being here with us. Cheers.